not a great spot for that. So I'm just going to put you right here. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Hot as fuck, but delicious. Okay. <clears throat> Hello world. Welcome back to the Flores and friends podcast. We got a jam packed episode, so I'm not going to delay this any longer than I have to. Uh, I am joined by one of my oldest friends. I feel like I've known him my entire life, but just really the past 12, 14, 14 years. Yeah. 14 years. Uh, I'm, we, this has become sort of a yearly tradition for the show. We were just talking about it before we hit record. I listened to the first episode I had my esteemed guest on way back in 2016. Without any further ado, welcome back, Joe Lusick. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Yeah, man. Like I said, this has become like a yearly thing. Like I think obviously we did it last year and yeah, you've done it four years in a row now and I've had you on other times, but like normally this is, this is like the few weeks before election day is, is the Joe episode and not to pigeonhole you, but that's just kind of the routine we've developed. Um, Absolutely. You're currently in DC. We're still in the midst of the pandemic and unfortunately it looks like it's going to probably, you know, like it's probably not going to let up until March of next year, if that, so we'll, we'll, we'll probably, we're still in the year long journey that has been COVID-19, but what's, what's been your experience during all this, man? It's been a weird time, obviously. I mean, not being able to go anywhere, not really being able to leave the house except to do groceries and shit like that. Is, yeah. Uh, Same here. It's, you know, it's, it's weird to talk about now because we're, what, we're seven months into this. And yeah. I was, feels- I was just thinking like, everything really started shutting down when the like the nba was like the first big domino it was march 11th yeah, yeah march 11th march 12th and yeah it's we're recording this on the 18th of october uh 2020 so yeah it's been seven months over seven months now and i saw you i was in austin i saw yeah you. that's wild like it was the weekend of the super bowl right yeah. it was uh, it was end of january beginning of february when when i spent like a week there um because i was about to start a new job yeah and yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago. And, you know, I guess you were like the last like person I saw. Like, you know, that was the last, like, I haven't left, D- like, since I came back from Austin, I haven't left DC. Um, except yeah. like, many road, like day trips and shit like that. But um, I mean, it's weird. I mean, it almost feels normal now, right? Like you just, we've gotten used to it. But um, you know, unfortunately, looking forward to, looking forward to the, the after times when, you know, we can, we can see each other and visit each other and you know, go places and do things. I'm, I'm just worried that like, cause you know, Ari and I have been, you know, wanting to travel abroad for a while. You know, I started my new job. I'm making like big boy money now and we're excited about it. And I'm just worried that when this ends, like plane tickets everywhere are going to be like five times the price. Cause there's just going to be this enormous pent up demand for travel. So. Yeah, man, I work in the travel industry and it's been slammed. Like, I, I mean, I've had, I mean, I work in the accounting department of a travel agency and it's not looked good. But I will tell you what we are counting on, at least I can say on my companies, and we are counting on a rich, rich demand in 2021. Like we're really expecting that. And I'll tell you, man, even like the luxury like spots, like resorts and villas and ranches, like ranches have really been blowing up because they're isolated. There's not a lot of people. And those like they're being gobbled up, like they're just going. Like they're, they're selling out like hotcakes. Like I think the rest of the year sold out for some of our big name partners. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I did get to meet your lovely fiance, Ari, on that trip. It is wild that that feels like that doesn't even feel like it happened this year. Um, it was a great time. I'm so glad y'all got to come down. What was y'all's, was it your first time in Austin, Texas or what? Yeah, it was both, for both of us. Yeah, it was, you know, it was just like, you know, it was my, it was my 
first time probably since like college, right? Where I like had a period of time where I had no, I, I haven't like switched, this is my first time switching jobs. Like I, you know, I've been with the same place, but so, you know, just having a week, two weeks where I didn't have like literally any responsibility was just awesome. So we decided to go to a place we wanted to go for a while, which was Austin and got to see you, man. It was great. Yeah, I've said it on several of the episodes I've done this year so far that this year started out great for me. Like you turned you turned 30 uh, last year, so you're coming up on 31 right now. But My birthday's next week. <laughs> uh, next week. Oh, well, happy early birthday uh, from everybody. I hope uh, – I hope it's a special one. It's a, it's a bummer that you don't get to like properly celebrate it, but my year started out great. My I had friends come in from uh, New Orleans and Baton Rouge and they came in to visit me uh, in January of this year. And I really was convinced that 2020 was going to be my year, man. I'm like, man, I'm finally kind of working my way towards things that I've been really trying to work on for the past like five or four or five years. And I'm just like, maybe yeah. this will be the year where I take that next big leap. And then the world went to hell. I was supposed to visit you in Chicago for your wedding yes. in August, right? It was August, but then it got rescheduled. So what's that process been like? First off, what I'm always curious to hear people planning a wedding, what their experience is like just planning a wedding, because that's a whole ordeal. And then what has it been after you had to reschedule? So what's that all that? Yeah, I mean, planning a wedding is, is not easy. Um, you know, it's obvious. There are just so many, it's, you know, a huge logistical thing to manage, and there's a lot of work to do. And there's a lot of decisions to make and you just have to navigate so many different people who have their particular vision of how something is going to, is going to go down. Um, you know, obviously me and Ari, but then also parents, um, and you know, the, the rabbis, everyone kind of has their certain things. And it's not even, it's not even just like arguing about, you know, how are we going to do this or that? It's almost just like you, you realize throughout the process, there are just like little things that you assumed that you weren't really on the same page about, that you, it wasn't even something that you really thought that you had to discuss. Um, Cause just, you know, I mean, you go to weddings, right? And you just have a vision of what they're like in your head and you just make assumptions. You're like, oh yeah, of course we're doing that. And you know, it's just, that, that sucks. You know, it sucks. It just is what it is. Um, the good news is we were basically done. You know, when the pandemic hit, the only really thing we hadn't done yet was invitations. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd signed with all of our vendors, you know, the band was booked, the, you know, caterer was decided, the venues decided, the florist, the photographer, all that. All the biggies. Yeah. So, you know, basically we, we didn't really have to plan anything new. It was just, we just hit pause essentially. Current plan is, is to go ahead with it in June of next year. We'll see if that's possible. I don't know. You know, it's, I would put it right now at like 50-50. That's, that's wild that if you had told yourself like like when you did push it back when you did uh that even the the, the pushback date is still questionable yeah. you would be like are you fucking kidding me right now yeah yeah it's, it's and we made the decision pretty early on yeah like, you did like a lot of people kind of kind of tried to hold off on it but i think you know i'm mean, working in healthcare now i think i kind of had a good sense that this was not going anywhere anytime soon I really think June was going to be fine. It'll, it'll, we'll just have to see. You know, I, we're not going to push it back again. We might, if we, if, if we can't do it in June, you know, with a normal wedding, we'll either, you know, we'll either do a kind of small courthouse thing and then just, just kind of, you know, find another time to have like a big party. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. With, you know, with all the people that would have been invited to the wedding, or we'll try to do some, some kind of in between type of thing where 
we still do it in Chicago. We still have family. We still have like a few people um, and just, you know, everyone else will be over Zoom. You know, not even yeah. situations are ideal. You know, those are definitely options two and three, but uh, we'll just have to see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully early next year there's a vaccine and that'll, that'll hopefully be what, what saves us, but we'll have to wait. Well, all we do know is it's not going to be here before election day, like a certain uh, elected official promised, but that's, we're getting into that. Uh, it's good to see you, man. I mean, like I was really looking forward to it. I was, I, you know, I, I think we've talked, I love Chicago. Like I've been there a couple of times and each time it's been amazing. And August I hear is a great time to go to Chicago because the weather's, you know, semi kind of nice. Uh, and again, meeting R, she was so lovely. It was, she, it was very nice hanging out with y'all. I mean, we don't get to see each other. We see each other maybe uh, once or twice a year if we're lucky. It used to be Mardi Gras and then Thanksgiving. And now it's like just right. Thanksgiving. Are you right. going in? Are you coming home for Thanksgiving or not? Nah? No, no, yeah. I can't, can't, can't fly, you know? Yeah, that's a bummer. If New Orleans and Baton Rouge wasn't in driving distance of Austin, I don't even know how I would have managed to do either one because I, I, I'm, I'm technically high risk because I have a, a chronic illness and I'm on immunosuppressant medication. So, like, I've had doctors and my own mother just be like, don't risk it it's not worth it whatever it is don't don't worry but yeah, luckily I hear you. and i have like asthma not you know i don't have bad asthma mild asthma but um, yeah it still technically puts me in a higher risk category and you just don't want to fuck with it so it's been rough man i'm i'm glad that you're doing well i'm glad that you know really bad timing to switch careers but i'm glad that you've landed on your feet somewhat um you live in dc still i actually got to see you earlier when did i see you was that last year i saw you in DC, yeah, was that you were, you were in DC? I, I love how everything is by sports in my head. You were in DC. It must have been June of last year because we watched we watched one of the finals games. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was a lot of fun. I got to hang out with y'all. It was it was such a great time. I was there for work. Again, like dude, like 2019 and this year, like the beginning of this year is just a blur. What is time anymore? But like, so that was a lot of fun. But you live in DC. Uh, I don't know what the stats are like currently with dc so what's the vibe been there with all of this what is what has been your experience uh in this major city well you know dc in terms of the stats has never had dc has not yet really had like a big wave mm -hmm. COVID. um you know they've kind of been it's done it's done much better than most places i don't really have a good explanation for that um but you know it, it, it's you know a lot of the northeast i get it, it the north East kind of got hit with that big first wave, but DC yeah. was kind of DC just that, that missed DC. It was more of a New York City kind of New Jersey, Connecticut thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had this like next the kind of second big wave later in the summer that was really the South for the most part. Well, the sun yeah. and DC didn't really get hit there either. So, you know, DC's had a, a few little peaks and valleys, but um, there hasn't been like a major, enormous wave of COVID like there has been other places. Yeah. Um, Austin's kind of escaped it as well. Like we've had like, similar to DC, like kind of like little waves, but nothing, nothing major. And I really think I talked to my doctor about this and he's like, I think it's cause the land pop, like land is separating a lot of the big cities. And I think that even as reckless as governor Abbott was very early on with this, like I think people have tried to do better about it than need to, but there's still been a lot of dumb fucking people like, congregating in groups and going to parties especially during the summer of just like dog what the fuck are y'all doing right now like it's like this was only like this was like june or july like or august like because austin's a really nice summer town uh 
it was just like, guys, this is, this is only like four months. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, this isn't gone away like at all, but okay. So outside of the pandemic, what's, I mean, we got the big, it's what, three weeks from now, two weeks from now. Is it, it's two weeks from now, right? It's like two weeks. Change. Yeah. 16 days. So a little bit of over two days or uh, two weeks. So is this election gearing up to it? Like, is this feel different than, I mean, obviously because of the COVID, but like, has this election feel like even worse or better than four years ago? What, what are you feeling like as far as the vibe there, as far as what the election is concerned? Uh, you know, I, I think people are tense. I think people are really stressed, man. I mean, yeah. in my social circles, obviously, you know, I don't, I don't know a whole lot of people who are Trump supporters. Um, I mean, I know them. I just don't. You don't, don't associate with them. The people I know who I who are Trump supporters, I just make a point not to talk with about politics because uh, why? You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know I I don't think DC is that different than anywhere else right now, man. I mean, like everyone, like you just feel that everyone I talk to is just stressed and like really nervous and anxious about this. And yeah. you know, whenever I talk to people, I get this like, you know, and my, my general right now is pretty optimistic. I mean, the polls are good. The polls are really good, and so. But, you know, I talk to people and they're like, but, you know, just I, I feel like Trump's going to win. I just feel like he is. Just feels like it. Um, obviously, part of that is that the polls uh, were off four years ago and people, you know, were kind of had a false sense of security about that. And yeah. Truth is, the polls weren't really that off four years ago. People just weren't paying attention to the polls. But we can get into that later if you want to go in depth there. But, um, no, I, I, I think it's... I think we're in an anxious time in our history right now, man. Everyone is, everyone's on edge. Um, yeah. I, I've been really trying to just kind of. <laughs> Y'all can't, can't see this. We're on video right now. And Joe, Joe just made a face. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm really trying to like minimize, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be uh, like checking 538 every 15 minutes. <laughs> which I usually end up doing anyway, but I'm really trying to just like, like there's nothing I can do. The next two weeks are going to be the next two weeks. What's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here we are. Well, let's, before we get, we're going to talk about the election. Cause that's, that's why I invited Joe because he's one of the smartest dudes I know just in general, but uh, I'd like to say that politics elections are your for, are, are your forte. It's your expertise. And I really love hearing what you have to say about it. I, that's why I keep inviting you back to talk about it each year. Uh, not And also because I just love catching up with one of my old friends. But let's move on to something a little bit, uh, I guess, closer to your heart, man. What happened to your Yankees, bro? Like, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Like, dog, what happened? Yeah, well, we can talk about the Yankees, but then we also have to talk about how Notre Dame started a COVID outbreak. That we're not doing this. We're not talking about football right now. We're talking about baseball right now. We're getting to football. All right, fine. And the Yankees are disappointing, obviously. I mean, you know, the the, the past few years were just really frustrating because they had this huge youth movement and just they can never – nothing seems to be able to – to win the World Series, everything has to click, right? You really, you know – Or you got to cheat, but, you know. The, the, yeah, or you got to <laughs> But um, no, not no shade at any particular organization there. Um, <laughs> that's the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros. Um, it, it's just they've never been able to get up together. Right, the pitching will be on fire, but the hitting will slow down. Yeah. They don't will be on fire, the pitching will slow down. You know, everything seems like it's going well, but then they just have a bunch of injuries. It just, I, I think they are a really well constructed team, and I think that like, you know, 
if, if their luck is just average on any given year, I mean, next year, I think that they'll be a World Series contender. But, mm. uh, you know, obviously this year was weird with the short season. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think if it was a 162-game season, they'd be a World Series contender too. I mean, they lost in five games to the Rays, who um, – you know, are in the World Series now. Yeah, so. I was gonna, I was gonna mention uh, that. Out know. by a bad team in the playoffs or anything, but does that, I, 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 does that make you feel better as a fan that oh we lost to the, the, our division or, our uh, our leagues representing the uh, World Series? Uh, so does that make you feel better at least? Yeah, it's always that question, right? When you get when your team loses in the playoffs, do you want the team that beat you to like win because? because that way you at least lost to the team that won it all. Yeah. Or do you want the team to lose because fuck them, right? There's always that <laughs> inner conflict. Yeah. And the Yankees and the Rays have, like, had a really – like, they've had, like, multiple, like, bench-clearing brawls this season. Yeah, and I remember that, yeah. The Red Sox were a total disaster this season. Yeah, dude, dumpster fire. Honestly, the Yankees and the Rays were, like, were like real rivals this season. Yeah. Uh, more so than even the Red Sox this year. Not Obviously not in general this year. Yeah. So, no, I want to see the Rays with the Rays and the Astros, I didn't care because fuck both of them. Yeah. But, uh, now that the Astros are out, I'll, I'll, I'll whoever wins tonight in the NLCS, I'll, I'll be rooting for in the World Series for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I was gonna get your take on that, but yeah, I, once the White Sox uh, went out, I've kind of really gotten into the White Sox this year. Uh, really enjoyed it. It was a fun ride. Uh, I really, I really think the shortened season helped that. Like it was like. You know, obviously they're in Chicago. I'm in Austin, so like any other given year, it's you know eh, there's a hundred and some there's like a hundred and something games. I'm like I can't follow all this, but 60 games was a lot easier to follow, and it was a really fun team. What we we lost in the wild card round to the Athletics, and uh, it was a bummer because we were we were we were pretty hot there for a while, and it's a fun team. I'm really hoping I can get re-energized and really start following them next season. We fired Ricky Rentery, our manager, and hopefully you know, we'll see who we get in the, in the door, but uh, yeah, man, but I did stop. I did kind of dropped off of baseball. Dude, there was a time where I was watching like baseball every other day. And it was just like, I, can't, I don't know how people do this, how they follow a team. There's too many games. And uh, like, like the NBA playoffs and the MLB season were going on at the same time. And I felt like I was watching sports like seven days a week. It was great but also just like I kind of want to watch other things but all right sure why not but I did follow the the Rays and the Astros because I was like if the fucking Astros make it back to the World Series man fuck baseball but I was very happy to see them lose uh because fuck the Astros uh if you can take anything away from this pod episode take that away fuck the Astros uh but yeah who do you think is gonna win Braves or Dodgers uh, I mean, I to be honest with you, baseball is a sport where like I really follow the Yankees and don't, like I I will not just sit down and like watch a baseball game yeah. normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when the Yankees aren't playing, you know. Whereas with the NBA or the NFL, like I'll the game's on, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I don't know that I know enough to have a super informed opinion. I think the Dodgers um, are better. Yeah. Dodgers, their regular season record was ridiculous. Um, you know, I think you know top to bottom, they're the better team. But we'll see. Who's pitching? Though? I don't even know who's pitching. I, I didn't look. I didn't bother to look because I don't really care either. But, you know, it would be something because the Braves were up 3-1 to one on the Dodgers, and now they've equalized, and now there's a game seven today. Uh, come on a few hours. <laughs> Still not decided. Ooh. But, you know, I like the Dodgers because, you know, I'm a big Magic Johnson fan, and he's still 
technically the owner. And so, like, I guess I want them to win, especially since they've gotten so close over the past few years. But honestly, I don't really care. And it would be nice, as much as I hate the Falcons, I, uh, the city of Atlanta is actually a pretty cool city. And, you know, I want them to do well, just not that team. Uh, and so it would be nice for the Braves to make it back to the World Series and win one because they haven't won since, what, the 90s, like mid-90s, right? Yeah, I believe the I believe the Braves last won the World Series in '95. Something like that. Lost to the Yankees twice in like the late '90s. Yeah, yeah. Or the Derek Jeter era. Um, and the Dodgers haven't been to the World Series since the '80s. Um, Did oh they lost they lost in the yeah. Oh no, well yeah sorry they have been they haven't they haven't won the World Series. Yeah yeah yeah. I will watch the World Series because I usually watch, like, especially when it gets to game four or five or six or seven or however far it goes. Like, I usually watch those games, but I don't really think I'll be actively emotionally invested in any of it. So, uh, but yeah. So, just as a quick aside, did you watch any basketball this year or did you kind of tune out of it as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched a lot of basketball. How about them Lakers? Go LeBron. Very upset about it. Oh, my God. Why do you hate fun? (laughs) I just, I didn't want Anthony Davis to win. Oh yeah, I forget you're a Pelicans fan. I just I was really was really off put by the way that whole situation went down. And it's not like people are like, oh, you're just bitter. He left, and it's like I when Chris Paul left the, the then Hornets, I had no ill will because I thought it was handled respectfully. I thought it was handled in a way that wasn't obnoxious or embarrassing. You know, he didn't try to humiliate the franchise on his way out. Anthony Davis just just fucking he handled it in just the most immature, obnoxious. Like not give a fuck way, and then like, and then and then he comes back to New Orleans in their first game there. He gets booed, and he has like a he was like people are booing me. Well, I did so much for that franchise. Fuck you. Like, you didn't have to publicly demand a trade, and then like you didn't have to publicly demand a trade at the trade deadline, like months before. And no, and no one, everyone knew there was not going to be a trade at the trade deadline. It was infeasible. It was impossible. It wasn't going to be done. You know, wait till the off season. Do it quietly, like everyone else does, right? But no, he had to do it months earlier. And then there's this awkward situation where the, the Pelicans don't want to play him because if he gets hurt, it tanks his trade value. Yeah. And then so then he's just sitting on the bench, and everyone knows he's healthy, and he's whining about it, saying, "I want to play." If you wanted to play, you should like. Obviously, the like logical move for the Pelicans right now is to put you on the bench. Why would they play you? You break no. your ankle, then instead of getting four draft picks, they're getting nut, right? Like. <laughs> Like, did you seriously not understand that? Like, that fucking stupid. Like, it was so – the way he did it was obnoxious, immature, disrespectful to the franchise, and I'll never root for him again. So uh, and it's two. not – yeah, I have no ill will against Chris Paul. I've rooted for Chris Paul. As soon as he left the Hornets, I still rooted for Chris Paul. Look, two things. One, I love how you got more animated than you did about your Yankees. Uh, but I guess that's just – you're used to depression at this point. But uh, – it's second off. You know what y'all sound like? Because you're not the first Pelicans fan that I've talked to about this. Obviously, I have family that are Pelicans fans. Uh, and my mom is probably the loudest Pelican fan in my life. Uh, you know what y'all sound like? Y'all sound like y'all are hung up on an ex when you got the new girlfriend right there with y'all. I mean, you got Zion, man. What the hell are y'all complaining about? Like, yeah, okay. no, that's fair. No, totally. But that doesn't mean I have to like the ex. Why can't you just be hot? Take when 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 they go low, you go high, man. Like take the high road and be happy for him. Look look at him. Look at him. All the hard work he's put in to the league. It's finally paid off. Congratulations to AD and LeBron and the Lakers. <laughs> I'm happy. I am happy for LeBron. I like LeBron. I always have. I'm happy for him. Um, 
AD, no. I'll just I I won't I won't be happy for. It. Now imagine how I felt through all this, seeing Jimmy gets buckets, just like fucking kill it in these playoffs. And as a Bulls fan, I'm just like, why did we let him go? Why did we let him go? Bulls fans, Minnesota fans, and Philly fans all have that same that same emotion. <laughs> I'm very happy for Jimmy. I really like if they had I I I I expected the Lakers to win, but if the Heat had upset, I would have been very happy for Jimmy because Jimmy Butler is one of he's he's still one of my favorite basketball players, and I really want him to do well because I know a lot about his backstory. I know how much he's gone through and how much he puts into the game, and I'm just like. I want to see people's hard work pay off and maybe it will. The next season is going to be very interesting. Maybe I can have you on uh, who, who knows when the, it's probably going to start in January, right? Or February probably. I think they were, think they were saying probably January. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I'll have you on before the playoffs kick on, kick off next year. Yeah, I'll have you back on and we can talk about some basketball. Uh, yeah, next year is going to be a fascinating basketball season. But let's, let's move on to something. Uh, let's move on to the bigger, let's move on to football. Uh, Okay, let's talk about Notre Dame, and then we'll talk about the Saints. All right, man, fucking – all right, look, we, we did beat Louisville 12-7 uh, yesterday. I was not happy about that, but a win is a win is a win. They're fourth-ranked. Like, even me, I'm like, I see that they're fourth-ranked. I'm like, how are any, how is anybody able to rank any college football team right now? Okay, sure, whatever. Ooh, fourth-ranked? I'm like, mm, mm, I don't know about that, man. And then LSU is just – Bizarre, because half of the teams haven't – like, the Big Ten in the back yeah. of the stadium. Yeah. Still included in the rankings. The Big Ten comes back next week, right? So, yeah, something like that. And Pac-12, I think, the week after. It's that was that was so poorly managed. Like I'm just like, God, you you guys are so spineless. Like so, for anyone not aware, two out of the five power conferences in college football, the the Big Ten and the Pac-12, decided no college football this year. It's too dangerous. Which, sure. at the time, like yeah, it seemed like a good idea. Like yeah, it's not a good idea. These people aren't getting paid. Seems very dangerous. Maybe we shouldn't do this. And the three others were like, no, nah, we're going to go ahead. And more or less, they've had just enough success to keep going. But then the Pac-12 and the Big Ten were like, uh, 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 never mind. We're back. We're back. It was, God, it's incompetent. Just incompetent and pure greed, man. It's No, I mean, listen, no one should have played college football. This year. Nope. No one should have done it. The NFL, I don't even think the NFL should have played. But, you know, at the end of the day, at least those guys were making a lot of money. They know the risks. They're professionals. If you yeah. know the option is given for them not to play, a lot of the, some some eighty something NFL players took that option. Yeah, they get their money right. Like it's yeah. you're talking about students, you know, not getting paid, um, you know, and obviously, you know, especially in the SEC, a lot of these guys are going to the NFL, and like it's important for them to showcase their talent in the NFL. But again. Even, even if you just look at the Power Five, 90% of these guys are not getting drafted. Absolutely. Right? Not going to play in the NFL. You're just asking them to put their bodies on the line for, for nothing, for, for, for money, and, and, and to, you know, put themselves at, at you know, football is risky as a sport in general, but, but yeah. even so much more. It's ridiculous. Um, the fact that the Big Ten of the Pac-12 caved and kind of um, backtracked after everyone else decided to go forward, it's not a coincidence that, like, the two, like, blue stadium conferences are the two ones that were like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Um, and meanwhile, you've got Dan Mullen out here saying, yeah, why not pack a thousand-seat stadium? Uh, the governor said it's okay. Why not? And then and the dude gets COVID. So, 
I just think that one of the main takeaways from this going forward, if people hadn't already drawn this conclusion prior, just because they are elected official to a very high office in their respective governments, does not mean these are rocket scientists or fucking neurosurgeons here. Like they just because they are at a, they are at the big table. I'm sorry, the big chair at the table does not mean they are the smartest. They are the brightest crayon in the box, man. Just fucking. <sighs> yeah, so LSU and Florida didn't play this weekend. They were supposed to play yesterday. They did not. It got rescheduled because, you know, Florida got positive tests and stuff like that. I'm with you, man. They shouldn't have played. It would have killed me because I love LSU. I love Notre Dame. But it was not safe. It's it's completely It's completely reckless. And, I mean, I'm enjoying it, I guess. Like, I'm watching some of the games, but I'm also like, this is probably not the best idea. I haven't really – I have barely watched college football this year. Obviously, Michigan – I'll probably start again once Michigan plays again. But, yeah, it's – I mean, this is going to keep happening, right? It's yeah, probably yeah. going to get worse, right? We're entering the winter. We're seeing a huge nationwide uptake in cases right now. Um, obviously, in the winter, it gets cold, so more people do shit inside. Um, that's going to lead to more transmission. Yeah. Also, also, just viruses spread easier in cold, dry weather. And, you know, and we have the flu in general. We, we have, yeah, although the flu is interesting. It, it does seem like the flu season is going to be mild, which is good. But, uh, you know, it it's, it's – everyone is just in denial about this. And, you know, if the NFL is able to finish their season, good for them. Um, it, in my mind, if they do, it means they got lucky, not that they, you know, understood something that we don't, you know. Sometimes you do something stupid and it turns out okay. Um, but we're, we're going to see what happens. I, I wouldn't at all. And, you know, it's the NFL is going to be fine at the end of the day because you can have the Super Bowl in April. If the NFL, if like five teams, seven teams, ten teams start to get positive cases, the NFL can just say time out, you know, just pause the whole season. You know, let's wait two weeks, see what happens. Let's wait four weeks, see what happens. You know, baseball didn't have that option because you can't really play baseball beyond like the beginning of November. It's too cold outside. Yeah. Um, football can go to the Super Bowl can be in April. The Super Bowl can be in May, you know? Yeah. So football has an option. College doesn't really have that option because the draft has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, but the NFL has that option. And I'm kind of surprised they haven't done it because it does really seem like the number of it does seem like they're just juggling right now, you know, one yeah. team one case and then they'll stamp it out, but then another team will. It, it's whack-a-mole and it's probably only going to get worse. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to transition into uh, let's talk about the NFL. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying, but yeah, I think the safe money is on. They're going to extend the season, like, because eventually the bye weekends will be burned through. And then what do you do? Like it's you just can't keep juggling and rescheduling, and it's it's a mess. But on a more uh, personal level, so what do you think about the Saints, man? Like we're sitting. Luckily, we didn't play this weekend. Stress-free weekend. Uh, we're sitting three and two, top of the division, barely. Uh, so what do you think, man? It's been a rough. It's been a rough one. Uh, and I know how much you love Drew Brees, so this has been a very tough season to watch so far. So, yeah, what do you got, man? I mean, it's been an interesting season hasn't it right i mean you know you to look say at the least the have had. look at the season the saints have had a few different things go differently they could be zero and five a few different things go differently they could be five and oh um it really has been they you know they've played everyone kind of close the, the game against the raiders was i guess the, the only game that wasn't really all that close 
the Saints never had a handle on that game. But um, the Bucks game and, and the Lions game, both of those wins, you know, damn near blew it. We kind of dominated for most of the game and then and then got, got close to blowing it at the end. The Chargers game was the opposite. We kind of got dominated for most of that game and then got it together uh, and, and pulled out the win. But um, And then the Packers game really was kind of, any, you know, that, that game could have went either way kind of till the last few minutes and we just didn't we did more with a better team, but, um, it, you know, the secondary has been the biggest problem in my view, um, really getting burned. Lattimore has been awful. Yeah. Just dumb. I mean, he did have the big play at the end of the game against the chargers to save the game, but the, the penalties and just the stupid and the blown coverages and the third and long, and I'm just like, Oh, yeah, you know, it's hard to know, you know, and a lot of these, you know, when you see these blown coverages, it's hard to know actually whose fault it was. The guy, the guy who you see running the receiver, was it his fault or was he the one who had to, you know, try to pick up slack because someone else screwed up? Was it the defensive coordinator's fault? It's hard to say. I mean, the defense has kind of been, uh, the defensive line has been really good. I think both in terms of pass rush. Um, although Cam Jordan, you know, we haven't heard his name a lot this year. So yeah, it's slow but start, man. Real Ray slow Anderson, start. Anderson has been one of the best players on the defense. Um, the run defense has been pretty good. Um, yeah. Not, I wouldn't say, you know, elite, but you know, solid, you know, solid. A whole lot of one, two yard runs that we, that we see a lot against us. So that's, um, the past defense just really hasn't been that good on offense. Um, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, obviously breeze the first couple of weeks was terrible. Um, and that was widely talked about the air yards conversation was noodle, noodle arm, noodle arm. Um, but you know, I mean, we've seen him throw the ball deep and you know, he is, a, a, a an elite enough decision maker that he doesn't have to be able to throw the ball 30 yards down the field to be really efficient. The problem is, what we have seen from this offense is there is very, very, very little explosiveness. Um, they rank towards the bottom. I don't think we're 32nd, but I think we're like 28th or 29th in plays over 20 yards. Yeah. Uh, when we do put together these, you know, and there was a period against the, was it against the Lions or against the Chargers where we had five straight, you know, scoring drives. Um, yeah. It was, you know, the, it was the, it was the, it was the Lions, yeah. When they put those together, it really is these kind of efficient, methodical eight yards here, five yards, 12 yards, seven yards, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of drives. It's really not the explosive plays. And so is that sustainable over the course of a season? I don't know. I mean, it's those drives are – it's hard to put together those drives in the NFL because when, when, when you rely on, on that, you know, one penalty really, really sets you back because you end up in second and 20. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to, like – to like be successful when your offense is based on that kind of like intermediate range, methodical efficiency. Um, you know, one penalty will really fuck you up. One sack will really fuck you up. One, one, you know, batted ball incompletion will fuck you up. So, I, you know, it seems to me that, uh, I mean, well, for one thing, Michael Thomas has been out except a Bucks game. Um, you know, well, frankly, Michael Thomas is not really an explosive receiver. That's not really his game. He's not really a deep threat. So, does that bring more of that to the offense? I don't know. Um, Camara has been really uh, – the offense could have gotten ugly at times without Camara. Dude, he's freaking yeah. – I'm waiting for him to walk on water and convert water to wine. Like, he's just been pulling shit out of his ass. And I'm just like, how the fuck, man? How in the fuck? 
he's been incredible. So, you know, you know, we'll see what happens with Thomas back, which I assume will happen after the bye week. I don't know what the fuck happened with last week. With the, I know. heard that obviously there was a fight. He, he punched uh, uh, yeah, Car- Garter Johnson, yeah. And then, you know, apparently him and Sean had a blow up about it. So it didn't, it got compounded. So it's, you know, but luck, hopefully things will, right, the course will get right back. It'll be righted. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, how do you, uh, how do you feel about uh, Taysom? Like he's gotten a lot of shit this year because he got the big money, he got the big contract and he's kind of, I mean, prior to, you know, last game, he, he had that big touchdown late uh running it in but i mean he's just it's been very weird like i hate to buy into the narratives and like like uh regurgitate talking points but it really feels like i'm like sean drew's been kind of having a wonky year it feels like every time drew gets momentum they're like taste some time i'm like really like you just right now like right now you want to do this okay sure i mean you're way smarter about football than i am so yeah it's hard to know what to think about Taysom, man i mean He's obviously been not um, as, you know, wildly successful as he was last I mean, last year, you know, last year it wasn't just playing quarterback. He also had, I think, three block punts last year. You know, yeah. maybe it's more than that. But, you know, that was always, to me, more of, like, random chance than anything else. You know, you can't expect a guy to, to block like, – whether you, whether you block a punt, to me, is, is a – there's a lot of luck in that in addition to <laughs> to just like being good at it. So, you know, when they gave him that contract, you know, was that really for this year? I don't know. Do, do they really think he can be a starting quarterback full-time moving forward? We, we, that's, we what, that's what Sean's been pushing, man. I haven't seen that yet. I don't know. So, you know, a lot of people compare him to Josh Allen in Buffalo, who, who kind of has this year kind of broken through similar player, you know, athletic, bigger, um, has never really shown that kind of, the kind of accuracy that you expect from a starting quarterback, but really does have a cannon arm, is a threat with his legs. Um, similar guy. And, you know, we've, we have seen at least through five games, Josh Allen has, has kind of broken through. So maybe if, if that's your kind of comp for Taysom, I guess that gives you some hope. But I don't know. How do you judge a guy when he only is, is on the field five, six times a game? You know, it's – how do you how do you really evaluate him? It's, it's so hard to do. So I really don't know what to say. About this. It's just it's I think it's been frustrating for a lot of Saints fans and a lot of football fans. And I'll admit it's frustrated me. Just like I'm like, dude, it seems like they got a good idea of what you're gonna do with Taysom. So maybe we need to go back to the drawing board and like what else can we do with them? So I will say one thing, which is that one adjustment they made, and this always drove me crazy last year, is that is that previously almost every time Taysom was under center, they, they wouldn't take Drew off the field. They would split him out wide. Yeah. And I guess the logic behind that is like, oh, there's a threat that Breeze will like come around and take a pitch from Taysom. <laughs> but like they never did it. It was always Breeze just like ran for a second and then stopped. And yeah. you're, just, you're just, you're just, you're, you're just wasting a guy. And now I think almost every single time Taysom has been under center this year, Breeze has been off the field. Yeah. It makes a whole. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes a whole lot more sense. Get an extra real receiver out there. Get an extra blocker out there. Whatever, whatever you need an extra body there for. Breeze isn't doing any of that, right? Breeze is not a receiving threat. And he's definitely not a blocker. So, so you know, take him off the field. You know, they'll, you know, you know, don't, don't, don't just leave him on there on the off chance that it might be some weird gadget play. It's not tricking him. So I asked my guests last week or the last episode. You know, we're imagining that 
this will be we're pretty sure this is Drew's last year. He's got that contract with NBC allegedly lined up. You know, I don't think either one of us are really expecting this team to make a legit run, maybe make the playoffs, maybe win the division, make the playoffs, probably go out early like we did last year. So if this is Drew's last year, will you have I'm sure there'll be a mix of emotions and feelings, but like will you be more frustrated or will you be more appreciative and grateful? What what do you think you're gonna feel if like end of the season next day Drew announces his retirement? What do you what do you what do you think? I mean, a lot of it'll depend on what happens. I mean I don't know that I'm as pessimistic as you. I, you know, we're we're three and two. We haven't really looked great in any game. Yeah. Um but, you know, at the end of the day, all the all the pieces are there for this team to make a run. Um, and no one – I mean, who – I haven't watched today's games really much at all. But like, yeah. who in the NFL really looks like they're unbeatable? I don't think anybody. Chiefs? Yeah, except the Chiefs got – the Chiefs got taken to overtime by the Chargers, and the Chiefs lost to the Raiders, right? Well, and they did just get Le'Veon Bell. So, I'm just – sure. close to as unbeatable as the anybody. probably the Super Bowl favorite. But, but in the NFC, right? I mean, the Packers have the best record. Seahawks um, are looking pretty good, like you know, Russ for MVP. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, it's, it's too early to kind of to, to count the Saints out yet. I, I do think that the coaching staff is good enough to kind of get everyone on the same page and, you know, make the adjustments we need. I, I'm, not, I'm not panicking yet. I, I still consider us a Super Bowl threat, in my opinion. But uh, uh, I, I want to believe. Yet, but before we move on. Oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't, I didn't answer your question. I, <laughs> it's uh, fine. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, this has been the best stretch in franchise history. You know, we, we have witnessed, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback play for the past 15 years. Um, and that's something you, you, you appreciate. Um, you know, in my opinion, Breeze quarterback in NFL history. I know that people roll their eyes at that. Um, people say, of course, Tom Brady is. All I'm saying is forget the, if you just forget the rings and look at the numbers, Brees is better and it's not even actually that close. Um, you know, Tom Brady had top 10 defenses almost every year of his career. Drew Brees had bottom five defenses for about half of his career. And no shade, no shade to Sean Payton. He's been a pretty <laughs> solid coach, but I mean, Belichick yeah. is the GOAT as long, like he is. Belichick is the GOAT, yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, some people are like, uh, you know, you can't blame Payton for the defense. He's an offensive guy. He's still the head coach. Um, you can you kind of can blame him for the defense, but yeah, no, I mean, if you if you throw the rings out the window and and even like just put them within the context of the talent on their team, Breeze is the best quarterback ever. I don't even think it's debatable, but um, I know that that's not you fucking homer. You're such a homer, Joe. You know, and, and so it, within that context, you know, I think that when when you're not living in awe of it, right? Like I think 10, 15, 20 years from now, people are going to ask the question. How is it the Saints had Breeze for 15 years and only made the Super Bowl once? I think that, like, you know, I don't know that we think about that now when we're in the middle of it, but, you know. I well, think we should have went. Better. We should have went back a couple of years ago, but the fucking refs robbed us ethically. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. technically, there should have been at least two, which is still underwhelming, but for the record, should have been you two. Could, the, the, you could point to even more. I mean, the, the Minneapolis miracle, you know, that wasn't the NFC championship. That was the divisional round, but yeah. that's the time we probably could have went. Then there was, going back even further, I think 2011, that game against uh, San Fran. Yeah. So, yeah, where, where we went up late. Jimmy Graham scored a touchdown too early. I yeah. was on TV for him to take a knee at the one-yard line, but <laughs> – 
We gave the 49ers the ball back with, I think, like a minute 20. Um, Was it Vernon uh, Davis? Davis? Yeah. For like a buzzer-beating touchdown. That is that is like as bad as the past few years have been, Joe. That was like the low point for me. Yeah, like that people, that was the, that twenty eleven divisional round that uh, uh, divisional round against the the Niners. That was like I have this photo of me just like everyone depressed. talks about the last three years and everyone talks about you know Minneapolis miracle the no call against against the Rams and then and then last year that overtime game against Minnesota. But um, I think I think that one. I mean the no call was the worst. The no. But that San Francisco one was, was, was number not you know number two. That was brutal. And then you also had, don't forget, the Beast Quake game against Seattle. I mean, the Saints have had, like, a ridiculous string of, like, freak, freakish, one-in-a-million one playoff losses. So And then we had Bounty Gate. Like, it just feels like I want, I want that to be given its own, you know, attention because, like, that wasted at least two years of Drew's yeah, life. It did. cost us multiple, you know, high draft picks. Yeah. So, yeah. What you gonna do? But you know, I'm, I want to be optimistic. I really do, Joe. But you know, it but is. I, you know, I do think Breeze will have that mixed legacy. I think that the legacy of Breeze will be like he was, you know, arguably the best quarterback ever, and like obviously, you know, led the Saints through their only good period of franchise history. And um, you know, on the other hand, if this is it, and if we don't come away. You know, with a successful result this year, it, it does kind of give you this feeling that we just should have gotten more. You know, not it's obviously not all in breeze, but yeah. Real quick before we move on to the nitty gritty here, do you have anything to say about the whole uh, Mayor Contrell Saints Superdome max like limited capacity thing, or you want to move on? Yeah, Mayor Contrell is correct. We should not be packing the Superdome with people right now. Look, man, I'm in a, I'm, I can't believe we're even talking about this. Another, I, I, get, I get that the Saints players want their fans. I get it. But, like, I can't believe we're even talking about this. This is – folks, this is a no-brainer. We're in the middle of a pandemic that has passed when people get near each other indoors for extended periods of time. Having a lot of people near each other indoors for extended periods of time is a really bad idea. I know that it sucks for Saints home field advantage. I know it neuters our home field advantage. You got to get over it. You got to get over it. This is yeah. a no Look, I just – I have some friends that are uh, Saints fans, and they're, like, arguing that, you know, the city has opened up restaurants and some bars and some things where I'm just like – but I'm with you, man. Like, I, I hear you. I hear you. Like, other teams might be doing it. But, it, look, the point is better safe than sorry. It's like the thing that I, I, I really just – I, I – I want to give Bear Contrell the benefit of the doubt. I know she's a politician, like everyone, else, like all of them are. But what I'm saying is, like, better safe than sorry, because like, football is not the most important thing in the world, and fans are not the most important thing in the world. And yes, the workers at the Superdome, all of these people that are missing money and losing their job, I get it. I totally get it. But we're talking about twenty thousand people in a confined space for three hours. Like, it's just, I just is it is it absolute 100% dangerous? No, I don't know if it's absolutely dangerous, but I do think that it, it poses a 51% or greater risk than it is safe. So I'm just like, it's better safe than sorry, man. It's fine. Like, it's fine. It sucks. It sucks. It really sucks. But, yeah, this, it, it, I'm with you 100%. A lot, you know, the narrative around this uh, from a lot of folks has been, you know, but – you have to think about all the 
every all the, the hidden pandemic. You have to think about the job losses and the mental health things that come along with that. And, and that's all true. But at the end of the day, like you're not going to fix anything if you don't fix this first. Yeah. No, none of the other problems go away if this pandemic keeps raging. They yeah. just don't. It's, it's almost like, I made an analogy. I'm trying to remember it. Like, you know, you get a like really great job offer and it could change your career and you're really excited about it. It could like really lift you up. Yeah. Most exciting thing of your career. Um, and you get in the, the cab to go to the interview and it's stuck in traffic. Bumper to bumper. Can't move anywhere. And you're yelling at the cabbie and you're like, I have to get there. You don't understand. This is the most important moment of my life. I have to and like, yes, you do. And it really sucks that you might be late to this interview, but it doesn't matter. There's nothing he can do about it. He can't make the cab levitate over the rest of the cars. He can't do it. It doesn't matter unless you solve the traffic jam. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how late you're going to be. Right. Like, and that's to me where we are. We seem to, we want to just levitate the cab over the rest of the traffic jam. You have to solve the underlying problem. If you don't solve the underlying problem, you will not solve any of the other problems. I, I appreciate the choir, man. And you know, not to sound like an echo chamber here, echo chamber here, but like, it's like, guys, this thing is still real. Like, it's not, it hasn't gone away. And I'm just like, they're like, you don't understand. It's like elected officials, this is a responsibility. We put them in charge of protecting us, you know, to varying degrees. Like, but what I'm saying is like, if she's wrong, if she, if she's wrong, nobody dies. Like, People lose their jobs, people are struggling, but no one's probably going to die. Like, if she does do this and allows it to happen and people start dying and it creates another thing, it's just going to erase all the progress that's been made. It's going to set back the city. And this is true of not just the Superdome and Mayor Contrail. This is the problem that's raging through the entire country, entire world. Like, the short term, like, well, what about this? Maybe we can do the exceptions. Like, no, no, none of it. Nine, nada, like nothing, nothing. Chill the fuck out. So that's, that's just what I wanted to say. Uh, let's move on to the main topic here. I was telling Joe, I listened to the episode we did uh, four years ago. And the first episode I had was like literally almost what, like four years in a week. Like we recorded it uh, I don't remember we recording it, but the episode dropped on the 11th of October, 2016. And the first half of that episode, I'll have it, the link in the, in the show notes. Uh, so if you want to listen to it, I highly encourage it. It still holds up and very insightful, insightful about Judaism. So there you go. Uh, but everything we were saying about our president, who was not our president at the time, Donald Trump, everything we said about him nothing has changed at all like i really like i know you're a busy guy but like if you have like a half hour i encourage you to listen to that first half joe because it's wild like i'm like wow we really fucking called it okay cool i mean not like we were saying anything most people weren't saying but still uh it was it was it was insane man like what did we talk about like what, what did we say we were talking about like fallon snl matt lauer the huff you talked about the huff po you talked about media bias against like perceived bias and all this stuff it was it's really good but I have you on today to talk about the election that's coming up um, in 16 days, like you said. Uh, for, for, for the record, have you voted yet? I'm, I haven't gotten my ballot yet. Um, yeah. It's concerning because I'm, in D.C. there's like a tracker that tells you when it was, and it, it says it was mailed October 1st, which was like two and a half weeks ago. So I'm going to call them on Monday. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I have not voted yet. I, the second I get that ballot, I'm... 
filling it out and sending it back. So yeah, I um, I also requested my ballot on like I think the end of September, beginning of October, and it was taking forever to get there. So early voting starting in Texas on the 13th. So I was first, like I wasn't first line, but I was there like 10 minutes before the thing. Yeah. I, I've already voted on the uh, 13th and got there 10 minutes before the place opened. Still took me an hour. Um, but I did vote. I was very happy to vote for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and I also voted for MJ uh, Hager. I hope I said her name right. Uh, she's the one running against John Cornyn in the in the U.S. Senate for in Texas. And I also voted for uh, Mike Siegel, who's voting, who's running against our Republican dish, uh, congressman, U.S. congressman. And I voted for a bunch of other stuff. Like, but it was was very happy to get it done. And I had to do it provisionally because my ballot hadn't arrived yet. So I had to do like this special provisional ballot. To, it was. But luckily, it all worked out. But. It, it is a pain in the ass, the provisional ballot thing. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, not to just throw out a broad question out there, but how are you feeling? Like, I mean, like you said earlier, like the, da- the data, the polls all seem to be leading to a victory for the Democrats. And how do you feel, man? Are you confident or are you shaky like I am? I am, I am confident. I mean, I think the last – the last podcast maybe it was two podcasts ago i don't know one of the last podcasts we did i think you titled it cautiously optimistic yes yeah i i I repeatedly use that mantra to describe my feelings and i i think that's still where i am i mean you cannot look at the polls right now and come to any conclusion other than biden is clearly the favorite i mean he is up um you know in most polls, somewhere between eight points and 12 points nationally. Uh-huh. In, in critical states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, he's, he's pretty consistently up in the high single digits. Uh-huh. You know, you go further down to states like Florida, North Carolina, Arizona, he, he kind of is in the lead there, although they're closer. And then you even get down to states that Trump won fairly easily, like Ohio, like Texas, like yeah. Georgia, like Iowa. And, and Biden is really neck and neck in all those places. Um, maybe, maybe Texas, maybe Trump has a little bit more of a lead. Than sure. But, but I mean, Georgia, for example. I mean, who thought Georgia was going to be a, a swing state going into this year? It's We think of Georgia as like deep red, but obviously it's a state that's diversifying quickly. It's a state that has like fast growing suburbs. Yeah. And if you haven't heard, the suburbs don't seem to like Donald Trump very much. Um, so Georgia, but, all, but he's done so much for suburban women, Joe. What what happened? What's going on? Um, one thing you can really count on with Trump is he'll always <laughs> he will give you like the third grader understanding version of what's going on, right? Yeah. Like if the, if the, there is a narrative that like suburban women who like kind of reluctantly supported Trump in 2016 are like moving heavily against him, yeah. You know, you read all this analysis about why, but like Donald Trump just gets up on, on stage and goes, the suburban women, that would, they wouldn't leave me. Would they please like me? Please like me. Oh, women. God. Like, oh, fuck it. Like this. He, he gives you this third graders level understanding of like, of what the stories are. So he, he's almost like unintentionally honest in that way, right? Like, you, you know, that is something he's actually worried about and that like his pollsters are actually telling him. Um, he's the most non-transparent transparent person ever like he's just like it's obvious but he pretends like it's not it's fucking to like just before like i just want to say like i thought about like i try and project like what is it like being this man like on a mental state and i'm not qualified to 
say one way or the other whether he has mental illness or not, but I suspect he has mental illness. But I'm just like, what is it like to be this dude? Like, even before he was president. Like, I just imagine, like, he must have, like, you ever have, like, an itch you can't scratch or you have, like, a fever that just won't break and you're just, like, always, you're just, like, uncomfortable all the time and you're trying to, like, if you are trying to soldier on through your day even though you're not feeling well, you're just, like, something's off, but you're just, personally, you just keep on going. And I just imagine that he just, like, it must feel, like, itchy skin and you have a fever all the time and he just fucking doesn't stop. And I'm just, like, God, what a miserable existence. I don't really know if I articulated exactly what I was trying to say there, but to it me, just seems like it's like, a miserable existence. To me, it's, like, I think everyone has something where, like, there are some some things that, like, you just can't let go. Yeah. Right? For me, it's, like, if I, if I, if I see, like, a math problem, okay. I got it wrong, right? Most people are just, like, okay, I got that question wrong. Moving on with my life. I'm, like, I got to figure out why I got it wrong. Yeah. Even if it takes me, like, an hour. I have to, and I think that's, like, what Donald Trump is, but, like, for everything. Like yeah. everything that, like every possible like failure or critique of him, like every single possible time someone says something bad about him, he can't let it go. It's okay. like, I think I think someone, every, everyone has something like that. Everyone has like something in their life where like when it doesn't go right, you got to figure it out. You got to yeah. fix it. And for him, it's just everything. There's well, nothing, there is no possible thing that could go wrong for him that he doesn't have to like get someone else or like... Or, 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 like, come up with some excuse for why it didn't work. That sounds so awful. Like, I don't, I don't pity him because he's a fucking seven-year-old man and I don't give a fuck. He could, not saying I want him to, but if he were to have passed away recently, I would have been like, oh, well, okay. That, all right, moving forward. So, it just seems awful. He just seems like an awful person. So, I do, I do feel sad that, like, man, there was probably some point in, this, in his life something could have happened to not turn him into this for what he is but i'm just like i guess fucking missed it because he just fucking missed it uh so you you expect biden to win do you also expect us to flip not us sorry i'm not a democrat but the liberals do you also expect the senate to flip and are you worried what do you what do you think about what's going to happen in congress i think it's more likely than not that the senate flips um awesome you 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 know Certainly not for sure, but Democrats have 47 seats in the Senate right now. You know, obviously if, if Biden wins, um, Harris would be vice president. The vice president breaks the tie in the Senate, which means the, for the Democrats to control the Senate, they would need to, to pick up three seats on, on net. Um, Doug Jones in Alabama is almost certainly going to lose. So that brings you down to 46, which means you would need to pick up four Republican seats to get to 50. Um, uh, two races in Arizona and Colorado, um, respectively, currently, uh, Cory Gardner's seat and Martha McSally's seat. Yeah. Uh, it looks very likely Democrats are going to flip both of those. So that gets you up to 48. The kind of next two down the list would be North Carolina and Maine. Susan Collins has been in the Senate forever um, and has been able to kind of, as a moderate Republican, hold on to a seat in a, in a blue state. Um, it seems like her time has finally come. Yeah. Um, and then North Carolina, where Tom Tillis, who's one of the <clears throat> one of the Republican senators who got COVID at that press conference that Trump was at, um, he he looks to be behind as well. So that's that's kind of the simplest path to fifty for Democrats. Mm -hmm. But there are a bunch of other seats Democrats could pick up too. Uh, Joni Ernst in Iowa looks like she's losing. Um, 
Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. You know, I expect Lindsey Graham to Please, God. Please. I know know I'm an atheist, but please, God, get Lindsey Graham the fuck out of here. That that, that race is much closer than than expected. There are two – both seats in Georgia are up um, because of a special election situation. Democrats are running close in both of those. Is that that left wider or whatever? Loeffler is one of them. Loeffler and Purdue are the two Republican senators there. They're both running and – they're both probably narrowly ahead, but not by much. Um, and that Loeffler seat, um, we probably we won't know the answer to that till December because that's a special election. And in Georgia, the way special elections work is kind of like how they do it in Louisiana, where everyone runs on one ticket. Yeah. No one hits 50%, which nobody will. The top two move on. Yeah. So, you know, that, it's inevitable there will be a runoff in December there. We won't know that till December. But there's also Montana that's looking really close with um, – Steve Bullock is the Democrat running. He's the former governor of that state. Mm-hmm. Even in Kansas, there's an open seat there where the Democrat is running unexpectedly close. So it's clearly a year where Democrats, you know, have a lot of momentum and are running close races in states that you would not expect, right? Mm-hmm. Like Kansas is not a purple state. Montana is not a purple state. South Carolina is not a purple state. And yet Definitely not South Carolina. Are running are running really close uh, in these in these states. And so, you know, um, Again, uh, certainly if the polls move one way, the wrong direction by a few points, um, you could see the Democrats kind of getting stuck with 49, but certainly it's more likely than not. You know, I would put it 70-30, the Democrats take back this. Um, And let's talk, if you don't mind, let's talk about the polls for a second. Oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. I can't tell you people that I talk to that say, but the polls were wrong in 2016. They're going to be wrong again. You can't trust the polls. Um, and it's just, I mean this with all due respect to anyone who has that opinion, that's, it's just a bad take. And it's just, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a take based on a misunderstanding of what happened in 2016. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, what is a poll? A poll is a sample that is intended to be representative of a group of people. And so when you have a poll of a state, you know, it's, pollsters will try to weight the polls. Right. You know, if they don't just call a thousand people, they have to make sure that the thousand people they call that the percentage of people who fall into different demographic categories match what they expect the electorate to look like. Yeah. Right. So if you expect 30 percent of the electorate to be non-college educated white people, you want 30 percent of your poll to be non-college educated white people. If you expect 40 percent to be college educated white people, you want 40 percent to be college educated white people. Okay. What happened in 2016 is what happens pretty much every election. The polls are almost always a little bit off because getting that sample right is really hard, right? Every year, some demographic group votes at a higher numbers than expected. Some demographic group votes in a lower numbers than expected. In 2016, minorities especially did not vote in the numbers that were expected. White non-college educated voters voted in higher numbers than were expected. Yeah. If you look at the 538 polling average, um, you know, going into election night, um, for uh, they had Clinton winning by about four and a half. Hillary Clinton won by two. So the polls, on average, were off by about two and a half points. That's more than they usually are, um, but it's not that much more. Polls are off by a couple points on average all the time because sure, getting sure. samples right is really, really hard. Um, you know, and if you look at the state-by-state state numbers, it was it was about the same thing. Um, the narrative that the polls were just way off in 2016 is just not really, it's not really correct. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, here, here's the thing about polls. Three things are always true about polls. 
These, these, this is, these are the laws of polls. Number one, the polls will be off. Number two, they will probably not be off by much. Number three, it's impossible to guess ahead of time in which direction they'll be off. Could polls be off on average two and a half points in favor of Trump? Yeah. They could also be off two and a half points in favor of Biden. Um, so, you know, you know, look at, look at polls skeptically. Never overreact to one poll. I can't tell you how many times someone has texted me, oh my God, this one poll shows Biden only winning by four. Stop it. Don't look at one poll. If you ever read, an, if you ever see an article, see a link in Twitter that says, new poll says race is tightening, ignore it. Average the polls. There are a bunch of websites that do this. I, I look at 538 often. Um, new York Times has their own site that does that. Um, the Economist also has one that does it. Like there, there are a lot of websites. Real Clear Politics is a popular one. Um, those are all better resources for figuring out what's going on than just cherry picking one or two polls and panicking about them. Yeah, um, uh, I, I wanted to say, I think what people are, you know, a, peop a lot of lessons were learned in 2016. Uh, one, me, I will never say never ever again, because like I was like, this never, we do not exist in a reality where Donald Trump can win president in this country. Boy, was I wrong. It's one of the things I've been the most wrong in my life. But I will say that I think what people are misremembering is like, I, I think nobody wanted to deal with it. Like nobody wanted to deal with this, that election. Nobody was like, they just wanted to take for a given that there's no way this buffoon could win a fucking election. I'm guilty of this too myself. Uh, and they were just like, well, Hillary's, a, I don't need to do anything. Hillary's got this shit. And they looked for any excuse whatsoever to just pass the buck. And they and just they fucking with they caught us with our pants down man it fucking happens lesson learned i swear i've taken every election seriously even primaries taking every election seriously like i'm there fucking early voting day one it's, and, and you know it's, it's yeah. worth pointing out here that like what happened in 2016 was that we saw the polls got get a lot closer over the past after the past two three weeks of that race right like i think what yeah. happened is people were paying attention to the race you know, in September, first half of October, it looked like Hillary Clinton was blowing out Donald Trump in the polls. She was. Yeah. And people kind of just, they froze that in their minds. Yeah. Like Hillary's going to dominate. Over the last two, three weeks of the race, that race got a lot closer. Yeah. Why? A couple of reasons. One was that letter from Jim Comey, um, reopening yeah. the investigation. Another was that there was a big terrorist attack in Paris, right? And, you know, that played into Donald Trump's whole keep the Muslims out. ISIS is coming to get you. Um, kind of mantra. And, you know, Hillary Clinton was already a bad candidate. She was already unpopular. She was already vulnerable yeah. to, you know, a lot of the kind of um, negative opinions people already held about her. And, and part of the reason I'm optimistic, you know, listen, the polls can move, right? All polls tell us is what people think right now. Polls cannot predict what people will think in two weeks. There's no shortcut there. You just have to wait and see. Yeah. But there's reason to believe that it's really unlikely that Biden could lose ground the same way Clinton did. One reason is that what, and this is an exercise I've tried with a lot of people. Seriously, what October surprise could you imagine? What, what could drop news could drop right now, John, that you could think of that would actually make a difference? There, there are only two things I could think of, and they're both pretty unlikely. One is like, it comes out that Biden has a bunch more sexual assault allegations against him. I think that's pretty unlikely because if we if that happened, we would have known about it by now. Sure. Right. Because typically what happens with these Me Too situations is there's one accuser and then all the accusers come out. Biden yeah. had one accuser and then nothing. There were no more accusers, right? So like 
I don't know what to make of that. Uh, I, I'm not going to call that one woman a liar. I, I don't know what happened. Um, but, you know, if there were more of those, I think we'd know about them by now. The only other thing I could think of that could really happen that could hurt Biden um, is if he were to have a major health scare, if he were to have a heart attack or a stroke or yeah. you know, knock on wood, get COVID, something like that. But that's really it. I mean, what uh, Donald Trump has been trying this Hunter Biden nonsense for a, a year. He literally yeah. got impeached for it. Um, and, and that hasn't made a dent. No one believes it because it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I was reading up on that this morning when I woke up, like just catching up, like, who was it, John Robertson or somebody like that? I think he was like doing it, did an interview last night on Fox News about how like, it might be child pornography on Hunter Byers' laptop. I'm like, are we really, like, y'all are so fucking desperate. Like, they do, they're trying what, it's like, Doc, how can you say stuff about Hunter Biden? How do you guys think that Hunter Biden is the key when Donald Trump's kids are just as corrupt? Like, what? But, and and here's, here's the thing a lot of people don't understand about politics. And this includes something Donald Trump doesn't understand about politics. Donald Trump seems to think that, like, all negative attacks work equally well. Yeah. Right? And, and listen, to his credit, the Hillary Clinton email strategy, I mean, it was a totally made-up nonsense fake scandal. But, but what it did was it played into this narrative people had about Hillary Clinton, right? For, for the Clintons have been in public life for a quarter century, and the, 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 the sense people have of them is that they're icky, they're shady, you know, maybe they're corrupt, they're kind of not of the people anymore, they're these backroom dealers, you know? That's the, that's the sense people already had about the Clintons. Yeah. And the reason that attack worked is because people already had that sense about the Clintons. People don't think that. And go back even further, right? Why did, if you go back to 2012, um, the, like, you know, the, 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 the Obama campaign was able to successfully paint Mitt Romney as this like heartless kind of a soulless businessman. Um, and the reason that worked well is because people kind of already had a sense that Romney was a heartless, soulless businessman, right? Like yeah. uh, go back to 04. The Bush campaign was able to successfully paint Kerry as wishy-washy, as a flip-flopper. People already, successful negative attacks work when they play into a sense people already have. If people think you're a good guy, it doesn't matter how many attacks, like, painting you as not a good guy you do, they're not going to work because people kind of have that sense and people trust their gut, right? People... People think of themselves as good judges of character. And when, yeah. when people have a, a certain sense of a person, um, negative attacks aren't really going to work to change that, right? Yeah. Successful attacks have to like play into the sense you already have about a guy. And people don't think John B- Joe Biden is corrupt. People don't think that. Um, yeah. Is that sexism that, that people think that about Biden and not Hillary? In my opinion, yes. Yeah. I don't think Hillary was corrupt. I think that was just kind of a sense people had. Um, also part of it is that, let's be honest, Bill is kind of a shady dude. Um, and that, you know, rubbed off on her. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. But, um, you know, this stuff's not going to work. Yeah. These, these kind of like Biden corruption allegations are not, they're not going to work. Cause let me, uh, let no me ask you this. They're not true. I had this, I had this conversation with some friends, uh, you know, late last night, early this morning. I can't remember. I, we were talking about the pandemic and we were talking about, is this the best time in human history for this to have happened? Which was an interesting conversation, but it, it got me thinking. I had previously thought about this. I was like, man, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I think Donald Trump would be winning re-election this year. I think because of how fucked up, like 
dude, they tried to impeach him. That didn't stick. All the corruption, all the fucking sex scandals, all this shit. He's Taquan Don, man. He just fucking skated right through it. But I really think, like, he could not – there's no way he could downplay how bad this has been. And I'm like, I really think what did it was the fact that he just is an incompetent person as far as, like, like running a successful business or administration – that he just fucking fucked everything up and the Republicans enabled and they fell behind their guy and they all fucked it all up for us. And I don't know if a Hillary Clinton presidency yeah. or whatever could have been different, but it really, I really think it is. What do you think? Do you think it was the pandemic or do you think it's just been everything up to this point? I think it's a combination of both. It's a fascinating question about where would this race be in an alternate universe where there's no COVID. It really yeah. is. Um, in, in my view, Biden would still be the favorite, but I think it'd be a lot closer. Yeah. Um, you know, Biden has been able to make this race entirely about COVID um, mm-hmm. and, the, and the administration's mismanagement of it, because you're right. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you know, the world is a complicated place, but sometimes things are really simple. And you put a total, totally incompetent moron in the White House, um, have a, uh, you know, the, the, the greatest public health threat in a century happen. Um, and he's not going to do a good job managing it, right? I mean, this is simple. And, and that's why, again, like a lot of times in politics, the winner is the guy who can kind of, who can make the simpler argument about why either they deserve to win or the other guy deserves to lose. And Biden just has a really, Biden has a layup of an argument. Mm-hmm. This guy is completely fucking incompetent. 220,000 Americans are dead. It didn't have to be that way. We're doing worse than every other rich developed country in the world because this dude is a fucking moron. And it's just, it, it doesn't, you know, it's just not a hard argument to make. Yeah. Oh, and, and, you know, unlike in 2016, when Trump had no record to run against, right? In 2016, you had an open race. Yeah. Um, you could argue it was sort of a referendum on Obama, but not really. It was a no, not really, yeah. debate. And a lot of people said, I don't like either of these guys, but Trump wants to shake things up and that's great. Um, now he's got a record. And his record is objectively abysmal, um, you know, and 42% of the country is going to support him anyway, because they live in an alternate Fox News, Breitbart reality where unemployment is zero and um, COVID only happens to people because Bill Gates sent it over the Wi-Fi or something like that. Or, or George Soros. They love George picking Soros. on George Soros. Right. I can't imagine why. <laughs> I can never figure that. You know, the other day, uh, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell at his debate was like, uh, he was, he was debating his opponent, Amy McGrath, and he had some comment that was like, he was talking about Chuck Schumer, and I was like, you don't want a New York, you don't want like a, a guy from New York to be in charge of the Senate, do you? Or in charge, you, you, don't, you don't want a guy from New York to be in charge of the government for you, do you? And I was thinking, the president is from New York, so what do you mean? You must mean something else. There, there must be some code in there. Guy from New York must not merely mean guy from New York. Are you getting at something else, Mr. Joe, I'll give you three guesses. No. <laughs> uh, but speaking of, uh, there's so many things I want to ask you about. I feel like we could have done, we're going on an hour and a half. I feel like we could have talked an hour and a half just on this one topic. But unfortunately, I, I, don't, have, I don't have you all day. But, uh, but I did want to ask you um, about Joe. Look, he's not my pick. He was not my pick. I was a gen- I was a first. I was a Beto guy because local flavor, but in a larger sense, I was more of a Warren person. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I think she. I think she's great. Uh, I've never really been a Bernie guy. I mean, that's, I just I just have a lot of things to say about Bernie. 
and I have a lot of people I love very dearly that also have a lot of things to say about Bernie that we disagree on. But uh, so do you think that Joe is actually a good candidate? Do you think that if he wins, knock on wood, he will lead, he will, I'm not going to get morbid here. I'm not going to say he's even going to ask where he is, but I'll say, I'll ask, do you think that he will write the course granted if we also flip the Senate and have both and have both houses, of course, but I'm just saying, do you believe in this administration? Do you think that it'll just be a moderate return to status quo? Or do you think progress will be made? Well, it depends on what you mean by that, right? I mean, on, on one hand, you know, Joe Biden is, is competent, right? Yeah. And he is, he's a person who um, is not particularly ideological. Um, and he, you know, he, he's just, he's a good government guy, right? Like, yeah. He, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. He never has been. He clearly isn't even as much as he once was, right? He's not, Unfortunately. He's not a Barack Obama who, who, like, would read 40 page policy papers for breakfast and, like, you know, have, have a staff meeting at 7 a.m., having already read a 100 page briefing book, ready to talk about it. He's not that guy. Yeah. Um, but he is a guy who, you know, surrounds himself with smart people and, and is good at kind of, navigating what they say and figuring out what should be done. He's always been good at that. I mean, he was put in charge of the Recovery Act by Obama back in 2009, which everyone talks about Obamacare as like the big, you know, legislative achievement of Obama's first term. Before though, Obamacare was the Recovery Act. And that was an $800 billion stimulus package that got through a, a Congress. That was, uh, you know, a big fucking deal. Um, and I, I use that, those words specifically because when, Famously, when Obama signed that bill, Biden on hot mic was overheard saying to Obama, this is a big fucking um, That's just who Biden is. Um, but, you know, how he governs, if again he wins, knock on wood, is, is going to be a fascinating question because, and I could talk for you, I could talk with you for an hour just on this topic, but we are at a place right now where... Um, the institutions of American governance do not work very well. They don't work, they didn't work very well even before Trump came along and, and he made it worse. And so there's a lot of talk about the filibuster and, you know, <laughs> I'm not frozen. I'm just thinking. Yeah, uh, no, it's cool. Of how to say this. We, it's really hard to imagine mm -hmm. Joe Biden will win the presidency and that Mitch McConnell will say, you got us. Democrats won. Let's, let's compromise on some things, man. Let's, let's do some, let's roll up our sleeves and do some legislating. Do you, does hey anyone, guys, we had, we had our time. We had our, we were, seriously think that's what Mitch McConnell's going to do. No, I, keep hearing, I, I keep, I, I, in, I've been in a lot of meetings. Uh, you know, healthcare, government affairs. Now, a lot of people are like, you know, I think that when Biden wins, McConnell might go back to kind of being an obstructionist. Uh, you think? You think maybe McConnell might do that? That is what's going to happen. And here's the challenge Biden's going to have. Biden, like in his, to his core, he's a deal maker. Yeah. You know, he, he wants to, he, he thinks, he really believes that if he just gets in a room with Mitch McConnell, he can convince him to strike a deal through sheer force of, of affability. The arrogance. And, Jesus fucking Christ, the arrogance. I don't know if it's arrogance. I, I really, because that really, I think 30 years ago, 
And even honestly, even like 15 years ago, that's kind of how it worked. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't anymore. I really don't think it's Eric's because I, I really think that for most of Biden's political career, that is how you got shit done. Um, but that's not going to work. So I am, you know, I am really interested in how much time Biden wins that the Democrats take this. Let's say the Democrats have 52-48 majority in the Senate. Let's okay, just sure, sure. You know, how much bullshit are they going to let Republicans uh, get away with? And before they say enough is enough, we're getting rid of a filibuster. You know, Biden, it's obvious that Biden to his core does not want to get rid of the filibuster. Biden to his core thinks court packing is a terrible idea. It is, it is so obvious that that is the case. Yeah. He gave that big speech at Gettysburg about how we have to all get together and hold hands. And, um, He's not the very happen. definition of a moderate. It's Well, I would use that word carefully. I think there are, there are two axes here, right? People, I think people throw on moderate and, and like liberal, sometimes they confuse it with, to me, there are two axes. There's ideological. There's like, you could be very liberal like Bernie Sanders, or you can be someone who, you know, believes in democratic principles but much in a much more limited way you know then there's also what i would call like the temperamental axis right like are you a fire breathing are you 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 could be moderate politically and still like temperamentally very aggressive okay firstly you can be someone like elizabeth warren i think is ideologically very liberal but kind of temperamentally more moderate um Biden is, I think, I don't think Biden is all that politically moderate. I think if you were to put Biden ideologically, I think he's right in the middle of the Democratic Party. I think he's to the left of where most moderates in the Democratic Party are. And I think he's to the right of where most liberals. I think he's kind of like right in the middle of the party. Okay. Um, But clearly, temperamentally, he is very moderate. Temperamentally, he does not want to be a shove a bill down your throat guy. He does not want to be... Uh, all or nothing guy. He, he, to his core, thinks that the best way forward is, is just get everyone in a room, talk it out. We can come to a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm cynical. But I think that, that the, in, in the hyper-polarized, hyper-partisan world we live in, that's just not how it works anymore. And how Biden reacts to that. You know, it's totally imaginable to me that Biden is basically a failed president because he, he just, he didn't, he, he, he wouldn't, ever get over that. that he, he wouldn't ever kind of give in and say, you know what, fuck them. And he, he basically never gets anything done. Mm-hmm. I could see that happening. I could see Biden never being able to like say, we just have to get rid of the filibuster. We can't deal with this bullshit anymore. We have to be able to let the governing party govern. Mm-hmm. Um, and just him never being able to make that leap and just essentially doing nothing for four years. That, I could see that happening. I could also see the opposite. I could see Biden like saying enough is enough. We have to, you know, this country is in crisis. And part of it, I think just depends on, on what, what is the trigger point, right? Are Republicans going to get in and block more COVID states? If they do that, I could see a world where pretty early in the Biden presidency, the Democrats say enough is enough. You know, the, the people overwhelmingly support this. This is critically necessary to the economy. To, to solving this public health crisis, you know, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his pre- how he is, uh, how his presidency kind of goes and has ended up, ends up kind of being perceived is really going to be a function of, is he willing to make that move? Is he, is he willing to like live in the world we live in now and not the kind of backroom smoke-filled deal-making world we lived in 20, 30 years ago? What do you think Kamala Harris's role is going to be? Do you think that she's going to be an enabler or she's going to be more proactive and more aggressive? 
I think she clearly is someone who wants to be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she clearly comes from the liberal wing of the party, and she, she the, a lot of liberals don't trust her for. She has a mixed record from when she was California attorney. Yeah, she the crime and prosecute prosecutorial prosecutorial record. Yeah. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, for me, I, I don't. I think a lot of what you did as a, as California Attorney General was bad, but you know, at the end of the day, people people I there is this kind of expectation of purity from from some corners of the Democratic Party right now that make me nervous. You know, someone does not I someone who agrees with me on eighty five percent of issues I consider that person an ally, um, and people are allowed to change and realize that they, you know. The 90s were different than now. Um, the country was in a different place politically than it was right now. I, I almost, there is this reverence for Bernie Sanders because he hasn't changed his opinion in 40 years. Yeah. For me, someone who hasn't changed their opinion in 40 years is someone to watch out for because that means they have no flexibility. It means that it means that they've never, you know, to me, every time I read a book, I think I've had this conversation. With you, yeah, you've had it on the pod for you. Every time I read a book, I change my mind a little bit because the book teaches me something new I didn't know before. Yeah. Every time I talk to someone about something, I change my mind a little bit because they, they give me a perspective. If you haven't changed your opinion in 40 years, to me, that isn't a good thing. That makes me nervous about you because it means you're, you're never listening to anyone. You're never, you're never reading anything. You're never taking in new information. But yeah. that, um, So I'm not worried about Kamala in the sense that her, her liberal record isn't I, I do think that she'll be someone who pushes Biden to be more aggressive. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I see that as a positive thing because I think that his biggest, my biggest concern about him is that his aversion to being aggressive will kind of make him this failed president that never gets anything done. Yeah. And I, I really, it is important. The first big step is winning the presidency. I really believe that. But also past four years have taught me how valuable Congress is. Like, yes, winning in 2018, winning back the house was crucial. But we got to flip this in. We have to have the ability to do everything they just did to us for four years. We have to be able to do that going forward. And I really hope we do, but uh, we have a long way to go. I'm, I got to tell you, I'm very nervous about just this pod because I swear to God, like there, I was like, I was on a camping trip not too long ago and it was crazy that like Trump, had, it was around when Trump caught COVID. I'm like, you realize he just caught COVID and that's the new story right now. And then like a couple of days ago was the debate. I'm like, all this shit just happened in like a week of each other. And that's just crazy to me. Yeah, uh, I remember again, I went on a camping trip back in, I think it was right before Labor. It was, it was Labor Day weekend, actually. Sure. And I remember like, I, you know, I'm a huge like phone addict, Twitter addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Checking the news all the time, you know, which is part of why I wanted to go on the camping trip to just be able like same, literally, same. literally have no ability, you know, no internet wilderness, you know, be forced to unplug for, yeah. for you know, two, three days. And, but, but, you know, and I was obviously nervous and what, all this is going to, and it ended up being like a boring weekend, no major news over the course of the weekend. But then I remember yeah. thinking during the whole like Trump COVID news cycle, like what if I've been camping that? And I just like got back to civilization and it was like, okay. Yeah. That happened. So I'm just I'm just yeah. nervous that like this is Sunday. This will be going out Wednesday morning. I'm like, the whole fucking world could change Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday night. So hopefully this holds up. And that's the that's like like in, in, in years to come, God like that I'm still around. Like when people ask me what will be your one of your biggest 
takeaways from the Trump years, however long they may be, is the fact that I was like, guys, I had a podcast during all this. It literally started the year that Trump got elected. And what I always remember is the fact that the two days in between a pod, if we talked about, you know, Trump or whatever, the pod could be completely obsolete in two days. Like that, or by Wednesday. It's just, that's the it's, fucking, it's, yeah. It's almost, it's, it's interesting you say that because you say that and it's true. Yeah. But it's also the case that, as you mentioned before, you know, we did a podcast almost exactly four years ago and basically nothing has changed. So nothing this, is this, the Trump front, it's this case study, <laughs> like, it's this case study in like sound and fury signifying nothing, right? Like we, we go through these crazy day-to-day news cycles and we're bombarded with all this crazy shit that he does on a daily basis. And it makes it feel like we're riding this roller coaster. But at the end of the day, like, has anything really changed? Right? It's, it's this, it sounded very signifying nothing. I, I can't think of a better way to put it. Right? Like I think that's the episode title right there. But, uh, but all right, let's, 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 I'll ask you one. It's kind of a two part question, but I'll ask you one more question and then we'll move on to questions. November 4th, you know, who knows when a winner will be declared because we're not even going to touch on that. Maybe I might have you back on as a supplemental episode and be like, if there's like this big, long, drawn out battle, if he doesn't concede or whoever doesn't concede, I don't know. We'll deal with that when we get to it. But let's say everything goes normal, conventionally normal for this election. What do you think our world's going to be like if Trump loses, like going forward the next few months? And what do you think is the world going to be like if Trump wins? So either one you want to tackle first, go right ahead. Well, I'm glad you asked that because frankly, I haven't really, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about what the world looks like if Trump wins because I'm so hopeful that it won't happen. I was about to say, don't say confident. Do not say confident. Hopeful, I, you know, but that happened last time. I mean, if Trump wins, let's do that first because it's terrifying to think about. It's a good intellectual exercise. I mean, I, it could get pretty dark, man. I mean, Trump, you know, having, you know, having kind of for the second election in a row, having come back from huge polling deficits to win and, you know, the thought of him being, unconstrained by Empowered, politics yeah. uh, is pretty terrifying. Um, I, you know, I don't even want to begin to imagine what kinds of things could happen. Certainly I would be really worried about COVID. I'd be worried that um, we're not going to be able to get a handle on it anytime soon um, because he's such a poor manager. And, you know, it, it is fascinating. I know this is like not what you asked, but I, it, I have always wondered, it, as we, th- you know, you asked about, you know, if there had been no COVID, what would this election be like? And one of the fascinating things I've thought about is what would have happened if Trump was president, if there was COVID, but if, if early on in like January and early February, instead of inexplicably just like say, like denying it, what if Trump was like, I think everyone should wear a mask. Listen, I, Trump never could have been, it was, it was, there is no world in which Trump could have been a good manager of yeah. this. No, he's incompetent. He's an idiot. He's a moron. But one of the biggest, in addition, uh, an additional layer to his incompetence above all this has been he's been modeling terrible behavior, right? All the experts say wear masks. Trump won't fucking wear a mask in public. He didn't do it till like July. Yeah. All the experts say social distance. Trump has rallies indoors with hundreds, thousands of people. Okay, what if, what if Trump was just a regular incompetent manager, but at least modeled good behavior, 
at least like 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 take a step back like masks have become a cultural political flashpoint it didn't have to be that way like if if you go back to like february and like it didn't like if i if i told you in february that by april like conservatives would deny that wearing masks helps i would have told you you're crazy and that would be with me knowing everything i know about trump but and, and i say that you know it's related to your question because it's really hard to predict, right? It's really hard to predict what things he'll choose to like be a fucking maniac about. Cause, cause you know, sometimes he just, you know, does shit normally, right? Like yeah. he, he almost, you know, he was threatening Kim Jong-un and then eventually was like, nah, we're not, we're not fucking fighting a war with North Korea. Chill, just kidding. Um, so he's capable of just like at least taking it back to like baseline level of incompetence. But it's, it's so hard to predict what he'll, choose to be just totally over the over the mockers crazy about um it didn't have to be this way we could be in a world where trump is still president he's he's not any less of a moron than we always knew he was but but like he wore a mask in public and told people that wearing a mask in public was a good idea right anyway so move on from that all right let's let's go the hot let's let's live it leave it on an optimistic note if biden wins If, if biden wins um you know i think that the I think the few weeks after November 3rd could be weird. I, I'm, I'm less pessimistic that, you know, there's a lot of talk about Trump will try to steal the election and he definitely, there are things he could do. You know, there are certainly things Republicans can do to try to get a lot of mail ballots thrown out and to try to kind mm-hmm. of sow, sow seeds of doubt about that. Frankly, I, th- I think probably, here's what's probably going to happen. Okay. We, the, the AP will probably not call the winner on election night because too many states are going to have, um, mail ballots still coming in too many states will still be counting mail ballots but i think i think that on november 3rd we will have a pretty good idea that biden has won yeah it won't be ap called little check mark next to his name but i think it will be pretty clear that it's very likely that biden won and you know i i, I hope so i i and i really you know i really think based on the polling that's where we're at it this i don't think that's going to be that close and you know Again, so, so some states, for example, Florida, mm-hmm. um, will count their votes um, on election night. Florida mm-hmm. doesn't, you, you know, the, the mail ballot deadline is the day of, so there won't be any like late coming mail ballots. Um, a lot of other states will allow, and that's bad. That's bad. Uh, that sucks. But the good thing about that is we'll probably know who won Florida on election night. Mm-hmm. And if Biden wins Florida, it's over. There is no path 270 electoral votes for Trump if Biden wins Florida. And that's why I'm kind of optimistic. The AP won't call it. The AP won't say, oh, Biden won Florida, so it's over. But if Biden wins Florida, it's over. And same thing with Texas, which also will count all of its votes on election night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, it's going to be a rocky transition. Trump will not go quietly. Trump will, will, will file every possible lawsuit that his lawyers tell him he could file. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think it matters at the end of the day. And I think that's, yeah. um, uh, you know, and, and once Biden is sworn in, you know, COVID is not going to disappear. But I think I do think that really just simply having a competent manager will make a huge difference here. And it's Biden winning is not a silver bullet for our problems. I think yeah. a lot of people think that and that makes me nervous. But um, having a competent person as president, both in terms of modeling behavior you know, a president who says wearing masks is good, do it. I'm going to do it. Look at me. Um, 
not holding massive public indoor gatherings is a good idea. Look at me not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and also, you know, the, the, having the instruments of government to kind of enforce things. Biden has kind of basically said, I'm not going to declare a nationwide lockdown because I can't. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to really, you know, threaten states that don't if I think they need to. And so, you know, I, I don't, th I think it's going to, the culture war that we have is going to continue. 40 something percent of the country is probably still going to think that Biden, um, you know, is taking billions of dollars out of Ukraine somehow. And, you know, that, that Biden secretly burned all the vaccines in a ritual devil and it called, <laughs> or Obama, George Soros, and Bill Gates were in, in attendance. But, you know, it matters having someone competent in charge. I hope that's where we're headed. Yeah, uh, I'm trying not to, again, I think what a lot of people do, especially people with myself, like who have anxiety about certain things and just like, just in general, like you think about like, well, what about the battles three, four, five, 20 steps down the line? It's like, can't worry about like, try not to think about like the doomsday scenarios or like the fucking violent scenarios or the fucking shenanigans that Supreme court might come into. We were going to talk about the Supreme court today, but we're, we don't have the time. So, and that's, that could be its own pond, but like, I'm trying not to worry about that. I'm just like November 3rd. All that matters right now is November 3rd. And then you do it day by day by day by day. And then you go to the next step and you go to the next step. Don't worry about 20 steps down the line. So, uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, the political environment next year is going to be fascinating. Uh, you talked, we didn't get to the court, but, you know, whether or not Democrats decide to add seats to the court is going to be a really interesting question. And Biden's yeah. gotten a lot of shit for not answering that question, but um, frankly, he shouldn't answer that question. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, we can, we can do a whole podcast, John, about like, about, you know, the state of American democracy and, you know, why I think these institutions are failing, but we don't have time to get into that now. But. Yeah, before this show wraps up, like not just this episode, but in general, before we reach episode 100, I definitely got to have you back to have a lasting conversation about all that. But uh, the other, the last thing I wanted to say was win, lose, or draw, or whatever the fuck happens, until that man is six feet under, not that I'm wishing that, Trump's not going away. Like he will always have a platform. He will always command eyes and stuff like that there will always be a local there will always be a devoted crowd that empowers him and listens to him and pays attention to him so if you, if anyone is listening to this if you think that as soon if he loses he will just fucking disappear off the face of the planet or his family will disappear off the face of the planet or his cult of personality around him will disappear off the face of the planet they are not going anywhere this is not this is not going to be changed in the next two weeks this is going to happen we're going to be fighting. We are going to have to hear former President Trump speak on everything that Joe Biden does or whoever the president will be. We will, we will, he will, will always be somebody like former President Trump says in tweet probably. Oh, yeah. So it's not going away and we're just going to have to fight the good fight against him. And, and yeah. You know, it's an, another fascinating, that's, for, that's absolutely true, right? You know, yeah. I, and another fascinating thing about that is, you know, let's say that election night is, you know, basically what the polls say it'll be, which is a, a pretty big blowout, where mm -hmm. Biden wins the national popular vote by 10, which would be the biggest, I mean, in f 538 right now, Biden's average lead is 10.6. If that happens, that would be the biggest blowout since 1996, when Clinton beat Dole. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what does the Republican Party do? Do they, you know, do they kind of, 
is, is this a moment where they finally have a Eureka moment and are like, oh, we need a, we need a fucking, we need a fucking rethink the, 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 the way we have oriented our party over the past decade. Um, or is it not? Do they double down on this kind of ugly authoritarian xenophobic version of conservatism where, you know, again, we, we, we almost think, we almost in the world, in, in, the, in, the, in the world we are now, we almost think it had to be this way, but it really didn't. Conservatism didn't have to take this ugly turn. It really could have been, you know, uh, I, I don't agree with any form of conservatism, but it really could have been a much, a much, you know, more traditional kind of conservatism based on individual liberty and government non-intervention and things like that, um, that, you know, frankly, was the, was the Republican Party of Ronald Reagan. It, it, it took this ugly turn. Um, and, and is there a way to undo that? Or is this just what the Republican Party is now? And a corollary of that question is, and this is troubling, is, you know, Donald Trump, when you said Donald Trump isn't going anywhere, you meant that literally. And that's a good question. Right? Uh, sorry, that's true. But another question, you know, what is what happens with Donald Trumpism? Because one of the things about Donald Trump is he, he's this authoritarian. He has these dictatory tendencies, mm-hmm. but he's far too incompetent to actually do anything with them. Yeah. And, and a, a scary question to me has always been, what if there is a political figure out there who has those same authoritarian tendencies, but is not incompetent? You know, that to me, you know, the, the, the political forces, the weaknesses in our political system that paved the way for Trump to get here have not changed and will not change even if Trump loses. You know, so we have to be careful about that because that Trump, even you said I won't be happy until Trump's six feet under. And what I'm telling you is even after Trump's six feet under, Trumpism is not going anywhere. Trumpism is now a part of conservative American politics. Yeah. And, and, and what concerns me is what happens when we get a guy with Trumpism, but without the total incompetence that came along with Donald Trump, the person. Mm-hmm. Well, I tried to end it on a happy note, but we went right back to the fucking, gosh, despair. Not that, again, knowing the truth, speaking the truth, realizing the truth is not a bad thing. Like you got to face the truth and you got to be able to. I don't, I don't just say that to make you sad. Yeah. I say it because it's something we need to be careful of. Yeah. I, I, I am, I am terrified that, that liberals and not even just liberals, just like people who, you know, there are a lot of people I know who don't give a fuck about politics. They haven't thought about whether the government should play a bigger role in the economy or not. They don't care. They haven't thought about it, but they know that Trump is terrible and, you know, has, has, you know, uh, set fire to this country. But, you know, I think a lot of people just think Biden is a silver bullet. When Biden wins, everything will be normal again. And, and that is something we have to be, I, I urge anyone listening, that is something we have to keep an eye on. That is not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, we have to really be careful that we don't, that, that, that we continue to attack Trumpism and not just the man himself. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the conversation. Let's knock out these questions real quick. It's, what, it's fucking five o'clock your time. Yeah, let's do this. Thank you again, Joe. I know you love doing this, and I know you're always getting new. And again, we've done this pretty much the same time of the year for the past four years, and I will have you back on before we wrap up, because again, for the 100th episode, the show stopping at 100 episodes, the show will take on a new, I don't know what kind of form, whatever it's going to be after that. Um, I just have a rule, like, I don't think anything should go past 100 episodes, but that's a... What episode is this right now? This is 85, I believe. You were on episode 10, and this is episode 85. That's how long we've been going. 
And who, buddy, it's been a journey. Uh, so yeah, thank you for doing this. Let's get into these questions. Uh, did you like the questions? Yes, yes, I, I looked at them. I like. Okay. Them. Uh, first question: When did you get your first cell phone, and what kind was it? I got my first cell phone um, right after Katrina. Yeah. Um, my mom, I guess. I guess it was because I was I turned sixteen that year. My mom yeah. was like, "If you drive, you should have a cell phone." So it was, you know, it was a Samsung flip phone. 2005 um obviously that was before i guess they had like early versions of smartphones like palm pilots and yeah yeah, yeah 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 sidekicks remember the sidekicks the little flipper little th yeah yeah. No, I, yeah i just had a i had a, I had a flip phone samsung yeah. Flip phone. yeah i uh i had one of those uh God, i hate the name of this company but it's the fucking name of the company siemens uh oh yeah i can't remember the model number but it was a little blue little like almost like a pill shaped little tiny little phone that was my first one i got it when i was 12 because like you know i was going out i was doing things i wasn't like roaming the city or the town or the burbs where i live but i was like you know if my mom was like hey just just go somewhere or something like that just have a phone like i didn't I didn't really start using my cell phone until katrina when i was like midway through high school but like i yeah i didn't i didn't uh I just had it to have it. So I've had one since I was 12. So, which is why I like the conversation now about like, how old should kids be when they have their first cell phone? I'm like, look, man, I had mine at 12. So I think that's fair. 12, 13. I think that's about right. Like who the hell knows anymore now? Uh, okay. What is one reality TV or game show you would do the best on? Yeah, I, I, um, I'm, I'm just like, I'm like a straight trivia person. I'm like yeah. a generalist, right? I'm, I'm more of a, I'm pretty good at anyone thing. So just like, like who wants to be a millionaire, right? Just yeah. like trivia, just, just throw it at me. That, that's what I'm good at. The other one I would think is deal or no deal because I've always thought that show is infuriating because literally they should just walk in and take the deal. Yeah. It's, it's just not much, right. I, it always, I was like, this, this, this entire game is based on people not understanding math. <laughs> If you just walked in and took the deal, first chance you got, you come out on top. So I would just, I'd be the guy who's like, yeah, pick those five, whatever, deal, bye. Move Dude. on to the next contestant. Thank if you. Someone, as soon as someone offered me $100,000, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm going. Bye. See y'all. I'm, pretty, sure, been, that, I'm pretty sure that the contract says they can't take it on the first one because they never do. Yeah. And, or maybe they do a lot and they just don't put those ones on TV. Yeah, they're like, oh shit, this only like, took five right. minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think Deal or No Deal is the dumbest TV show. It's, it's literally, it's, its entire premise is hoping people don't understand math works. Speaking of which, who was a prominent star of Deal or No Deal for a run was Donald Trump, who fucking conned people into thinking that he was some kind of smart businessman and millionaire or billionaire, and he had the money. He probably didn't at the time. Looking at that tax data that the New York Times had was very interesting. Uh, so, okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, I think, well, just to say mine, I think mine is like, I think I've, I've said it a few times now. I think it's either, I don't think I'd be good at Jeopardy, but yeah, like who wants to be a millionaire probably, or like Weakest Link, they're bringing that back. I think I'd do well in the Weakest Link. Yeah, bringing uh, that back with what's her name? Jane um, Lynch. Jane Lynch, yeah. Okay. What is your favorite book? My favorite book, um, uh, fiction is, is Catch-22. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to get into all the random nerdy nonfiction. No one wants to hear about what economics books I've read recently. So, yeah. so move it on. Move it along. Yeah. Well, my favorite book is the uh, King James Bible, by the way. 
<laughs> the art of the deal. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, mine is actually Great Gatsby. Love that book. It's my favorite book. Uh, okay. Uh, man, we're running out of a good clip. I love to see it. Um, what is your favorite pair of shoes? Either you currently own or you have owned in the past, or if you care about shoes at all. This is the one question. I have no good answer. I've never been a shoe person. A lot yeah. of people are super into shoes. I just... So do, you have a, do you have a particular favorite brand? No. Nah. <laughs> no, I like. I mean, I like flip flops. I, yeah. I, my like natural. If I could wear flip flops everywhere, I would. Like you can't because the weather and things. But I yeah, just, one of the one of the lasting memories is like us being in high school, and it's like you know it did get cold. It does get cold in Louisiana, like in the forties or fifties every now and then. But just like seeing you in a sweatshirt and shorts and flip flops in like fifty degree weather, I'm like that is yeah. Joe Lustig right there. That's me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, curious about this one. Uh, what is your favorite smell or scent? See, I, I have allergies, John, so just, just being able to smell anything is a little weird. <laughs> but, okay, so what's like, what if you were like walking into somewhere for dinner or a meal and you just caught a whiff of something and you're like, oh, that's the meal I want right there? I think like, I don't, this, I, I can't like put my finger on like what exactly this is, but like Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like the, 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 the I guess it's the combination of like turkey, gravy. Yeah. That very savory yeah. kind of smell, yeah. I, I don't I don't really know exactly what it is that I'm smelling, but like that combination of scents is always something. I think it's just the smell of carbs. <laughs> um, uh, uh, mine is uh, bacon. Sorry, not kosher, but bacon. Hey. I love the smell of bacon. You're allowed to eat pork. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, if you could, if you only could watch TV shows or movies for the rest of your life, what would you pick? See, I think that, I think that is clearly to me TV shows, but, but that's only like a recent thing, right? Mm -hmm. I think that like for most of history, movies were just like much better. Yeah. Um, and then I think when like streaming came along, right? When, like in the streaming era, TV shows are basically really long movies. They're not really intended yeah. to be consumed episode by episode yeah they're really just really long movies yeah you say you know, that 13 i episode series of a tv show on netflix yeah you say that i just uh i spent this entire weekend re-watching all of stranger things and i yeah. was just thinking i was like these are just like three of my favorite eight hour long movies right here like there are seven some change but eight hour long movies like these i just love them because they're like gigantic movies so yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you and can uh, you like can you do you remember when a show would end and you'd have to wait a week to see what happened next well i do there are some shows that i still follow like the mandalorian's coming back at the end of the month and that's week to week the oh, boys i watch the boys that's week to week lovecraft country is week to week a lot of hbo shows are still week to week yeah, uh, yeah hbo's gotta fix that but i do remember like but it is a difference of when all of tv was like that like if you wanted to kill time in between a week you could watch anything a whole show I find it i find it annoying now because it, maybe it's because like the way my brain consumes tv has changed but like i find it harder to follow a show mm. when you have the week in between like it's just for me it's it's literally like just saying like in modern tv the plots are so intricate mm -hmm. and there are so much so much nuance like you you really have to watch them back to back it, it's all it's hard not to yeah. Because, you know, you're just not, our, our brains are not good at like remembering, you know, detailed, nuanced information from a week ago that we haven't thought about since. Yeah. 
not the way our brains work, right? Like, yeah, you like, and so it's just, it's, I find it really hard to follow the plot of shows mm-hmm. that still come out week to week like that. I really do. Well, Maybe it's me, I don't know. Well, I'll say that, especially some of the HBO shows that I'm really a big fan of that I plan to watch tonight, for instance, like, it really helps, like, there, it really helps to be invested in the show if it is week to week. Like, I'll say for, like, Lovecraft Country or off of HBO, like, Mandalorian. I'm such a huge Star Wars fan that I'm going to be devoted to the Mandalorian anything. But it helps that, like, during the week on social media, I'm, like, following things about it or I'm following, it's staying fresh in my, you got to keep it fresh in your mind is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. So, like, it helps, it helps with those kind of shows, week to week shows, to be, like, Oh, I'm kind of following it as it goes along. It's staying fresh in my brain. Yeah, like yeah. And I mean, I think, I think that like HBO has, has been kind of innovative about the way that like, so Watchmen, right? I didn't yeah. really, I, I only watched a couple episodes. I, I, never, I never read the book. And so I thought, oh, it's so good, Joe. It's yeah, so I good. I need to, but Watchmen, I know that they were literally like, they'd have their episode. And then they'd also like over the course of the week, they'd like release stuff that were like documents that you're supposed yeah. to be that tie into the plot of the next episode. And that's like, I think a lot of people are going to hate that because that's a lot to ask someone to do for yeah. like a TV show. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, I think it's a way of, of, like you said, kind of keeping people invested. Like, I think I think eventually everyone's going to do just what Netflix does. Yeah. And seasons all at once. I just think it's, I think everything's going to Well, there's pros and cons for both. I, I can live with either one. Like, put it all in one, put it all up in one. That's cool. I'll get through it put it up week to week. That's cool too. I'll do it. If I'm really invested in the show, it doesn't matter to me. If it's a really good show, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, but for the record, I'm, I would pick movies because I got to be able to watch Star Wars movies at any given time. So like, I can't, like, as much as I love TV, I love TV, but I'm more of a movies guy. Anyway. Uh, but but I, I will say this on the same point, like it is funny that when you go back to like, if you, if you just like binge a show, you know, that's old from like, you know, anything, anything before Netflix came along, right? Sure. So I was, I, I, I streamed, um, I like binge watch Monk. <laughs> yeah, all like, right. Months back. And it's funny, you watch that show and it's a good show. But yeah. you also, you're like watching and you're like, man, every episode has exactly the same plot structure. Yeah. Like, how did they, and you're like, how did they get away with that? How did people, how did people not think like, oh, boring? And it's because they forgot. It's because like when, when you haven't watched it in a week, you don't remember the plot structure from last week. And so it's almost, it's a whole different, you have to like yeah. change when you do it. You have to be a lot more creative with like the internal plots of each episode, as opposed to like the running plot across the season. Like, yeah. You have to change the plots of the episode because they can't be like Monk or like House is another one. Like yeah, I was about to say House. I thought about rewatching House. Like, yeah, ten minutes in, House comes up with his first diagnosis. Yeah, looks like it's working, but seventeen minutes in, something goes wrong, and then twenty. You could literally set your watch. Yeah, like, it's 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 plotted on a course. Like that's how like, that writers would work. Yeah, people watch this. This is so monotonous, and you're like, oh yeah, they took a week break in between each episode. Yeah, like I really thought about rewatching House. Like I really love House, but I just. It's again, the other thing I got to say I love about streaming is very few streaming shows are like network TV shows where it's 22 episodes. Like if you tell me something is like, oh yeah, that show, it's like four seasons and there's like 20 episodes of hour long episodes. I'm not watching that. It's too much time. But like, I love the eight, 10, 13, maybe 13 episode seasons where it's just like hour long, 13, just cut, chop it up. We don't need that much. So I was like, I really, really want to rewatch House. 
but it's like, that was like eight years, 20 episodes, give or take, hour long. I was like, and they all are the same routine, like formula. And I'm like, I, I'll, it'll burn me out. I'll just, yeah, my mind, cool. my brain will melt. Okay. I'm very curious about this. This is one of the fav- my favorite questions that I've ever come up with. Uh, you get to use a time machine. Where do you go, but you have to stay there no more or less than three days? Mm. Mm. Good question. Anytime, anytime, past or future, wherever you want to go. Fucking last week if you wanted to. But you have to stay there no, at least three days. I think, I think I'd go way back. I would go, and I can't give you like an exact year or place, okay. but I think I would go to like hunter-gatherer times because – Joe, you have to stay there three days. Three days. I can do three days. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't buy that. Like, I just don't think that you would last three days. Fucking just, wild animals, no civilization. You fucking break your leg and get infected, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the tribe would be a time traveler from the future. I mean, okay, so also, like, I guess I was assuming that, like, I enter that time period, like, having the baseline skills that people in that Oh, no, you, Joe Lessig, in 2020... That's a different question. I was thinking, my answer to that question was more like just interest. Like, like their lives are so different than in every way. Their brains work so differently. Okay. Like, what was that like? But I guess that's, I'll, I'll change my answer. Let's just say you get to pack a bag, so you get to bring supplies with you. All right, let's say that. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't even know how to, like, use a spear. Right? So that doesn't help me. I was assuming I had an object that wasn't in the, wasn't in the world. I'll change my answer. I think I would go, I think I would go to... Maybe, maybe the '60s and just like anti-war protests. Okay, I think that was a cool time, a groovy time to be around. Yeah, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna watch trial in Chicago. Drugs and knowledge, as our president would say. Yeah, I was, I was gonna watch the trial of the Chicago Seven either today awesome. or tomorrow. It was really good. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, okay, uh, that's cool. See, I go to the future, man. I go like a hundred years oh, from now. Think about the future. You're killing me with these answers. Well, I just that I said past or future, whichever way you want to go, man. Like I would want to go three hundred, like a hundred years in the future, see if we're still around, and just spend three days there. Hopefully, I don't die or infect people with my germs. But like, right. I, I, I that's where I would want to go. I have no interest in the past. Nothing about the past interests me. Like nothing. I really don't. I want to have Wi-Fi on the ready, so, and I want so all what, these things. What if you went you went a hundred years forward? So think about that. So like. Okay. The difference between so technology is accelerating. So even right now, think about the difference between 1920 yeah. and 2020. Okay, so 19 in in 100 years, we went we had no we went from radio being the most advanced communications technology to iPhone 12, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't they just announced the 13, whatever. They oh, it was the 12. It's 12. What's the one I have? I don't even know. It doesn't. Uh, matter. I have the I have the last, the newest one until just now. Okay. Um, anyway. Like, you'd be lost, man. Like, you, yeah. would have, you would have no idea what was going on. And even, would, even just being there three days, it's not, you wouldn't be able, imagine dropping a person from 1920 here. It would not be like in three days they could figure out smartphones. I'm not saying I could figure it out, but guess what? I go 100 years ago, they don't have penicillin. Like, I go 100 years from, in the past, they don't have penicillin. I go 100 years in the future, they probably have every medical cure to everything. Hopefully. Yeah, maybe, but then maybe everyone would also be just like, having sex in video games because like, like, like it's ready player. It's only three days, man. I don't have to like, I'm not staying there permanently. I could just take a visit, man. Take a vacation. That's all. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, let's move on. All right. 
I'm just saying, I have no idea what was going on. Well, you don't know what was going on. We're not doing this. Okay. Uh, we could talk all day about this. Would you, rather, would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or a Nobel Prize winner? And for what? Nobel Prize, for sure. For what? Economics. Ah, see, I would go, I know exactly what I would be. I would be an Olympic gold medalist. And I would be the first U.S. men's soccer team to win a gold medal for the U.S. That would be historic. That's what I would want to do. Uh, literature, Nobel Prize for literature is tempting, but I'm like, eh, I don't, I'm all right. Uh, but no, like, be, to be the part of the first men's team to win a gold medal in soccer would be fucking would amazing. Play? What position would you play? Uh, I'd probably play uh, 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 center back, center back, you know, middle of the field, yeah, somewhere around there. I've never really thought about it. I just, see, I'm not talented at soccer at all. I don't know which particular position would I, I suit best but i would just be like can i just be like on the bench like how about on the bench like you can be on the bench or just you know, like an assistant be like an assistant coach well they don't get the coaches don't get gold medals in the olympics really yeah like all those u.s basketball u.s men's u.s women's basketball teams that uh that uh won gold medals none of the coaches win. it's just the it's just the yeah That's uh okay last question i'm very curious to hear your answer on this one and this will be the end for us. Five years from now, what do you hope you learn from all that's happened this year? Oh, yeah, that's a loaded question. I mean, you know, I, I think in some ways we've already talked about it. I, I think that – I think it goes back to what you said, both what you said about the podcast we did four years ago, not – nothing's changed since then, and also yeah. the fact that it seems like every day everything is changing at Brighton XP. I, I hope – I worry that, you know, one of the reasons that we're, we live in a culture that's so anxious and so on edge all the time. Yeah, um, overstimulated. Overstimulated. We are, we are unable to uh, not just disconnect from technology, but unable to, like, escape mm -hmm. from a constant bombardment of information yeah. that comes at us every day. It's really hard to. It's really hard to. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I just, I, I guess I hope that um, we start to take that seriously as a society and recognize it as like a, as a real challenge, um, at, at not just an individual level, right? I think we still, people are like, oh, you're, you're on your phone all the time. You should get off it more. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not that simple, you know. Um, I think we need to do a better job shaping society in a way that allows for people to kind of step outside of that. And I, I just think human flourishing is so difficult when we're, when we are like trapped in this endless cycle of information all around us that we can't make any sense of and that we can't escape. And, and I think that's a, that's a reason that you see so much more anxiety. Everyone talks about mental health um, becoming a much more serious issue. People talk about, you know, especially for teenagers, teenage depression is, is kind of, at record levels and yeah. um, you know, I think it's, I think the reason is clear. I think that we have done a terrible job of, of, of figuring out a way to live in real life in, in a, in a time period where we have more access to information than we ever had before. So I hope that, I hope that that's what we take away from this in the sense that I hope that we, we start to take that issue seriously. This is very astute. I, I've said it on the, past few episodes of done where i've asked that question i just i really hope that um 
probably has some pro-union, pro-labor underpinnings. Uh, but I really just hope that we all take from how dependent and connected we all are and how reliant we all are on each other. And I really hope that's what we learn, man. It's like in one, I said this, I've said this before, like if one sector of the economy goes down, it affects four or five other sectors of the economy. And if they go down, then it's trickle effect. I'm like, we're all in this together, man. And even we fucking hate each other. Hell, there are some people in this country that don't think you as a Jewish person have humanity. Like, it's like, we don't really want to associate with them, but there are people, they're the extreme. Most people are not evil. And most people are, have more in common with us than we think. And it's just like, guys, we all, we all need each other. Like we all need each other, man. Like it's, we all are in the same boat here. We're all trying, we all need to be on the same team and we all are depend on each other. And that's really what I hope we learn. And I think a great, a great kind of corollary of that is, um, I think that we have learned, we have, we have really already rethought what essential workers mean. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, and, and we, you know, I think a lot of people on the left, like myself, and probably you have always kind of already thought that the way we pay different professions is completely out of whack with how much value you actually add. Yeah. I think it's actually really hard to make a case that Wall Street stockbrokers contribute more to uh, more value to society than teachers do or than mm-hmm. nurses do. Um, you know, and, and, you know, there's a great book I read recently called the, um, the value of everything. Um, but you know, we, we really do, we, we have kind of rethought that. And I, I hope that that's something that sticks. I hope that we have a, we have kind of a major reworking of, of what kinds of jobs we value. And, and, you know, I mean that in terms of how much we actually pay people. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more, my brother. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Joe, always special. I wish I could have three hours with you, but we both have lives to live. It's been great. I always love talking to you, man. I've been loving talking to you since we were fucking sitting at lunch together in 20s, in 2006, 2007, 2008. I, I miss those days. Those are fun times. I can't wait to see you again. I don't know when that'll be. Hopefully, maybe, probably at your wedding, hopefully sooner. But if not, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that y'all invited me I'm, gonna, I'm still planning on going i'm so happy that y'all want to include me in that happy day of course man yeah so that's it guys i hope you enjoyed this episode please like subscribe share blah 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 yeah we i don't know what the new the next episode let's see let's see this goes out on the 21st god we have an episode scheduled for the fourth i don't even know if i want to do an episode on the fourth joe depending on how the things go We'll, we'll see what happens. That might be like an episode that goes out on the 5th or the 6th, depending. But, uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for us, man. I hope you have a great rest of your day and give my love to your uh, very lovely fiance and, you and your family, of course. Of course. All, All right, right, man. Talk to you later. Talk to you. Bye.